Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mega Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Oh, Spencer, we are in the second last episode of season two of The Mandalorian. We have really pushed our way forward. We had a um, little bit of uh, coverage of Mandalorian season one. And then when season two started, we just decided let's quickly finish up season one, quickly blow into season two in an attempt to catch up. Spencer, after this episode, my friend, we have caught up. We did it. I didn't think we had it in us. This level of commitment, this effort and work is for younger men. I thought we were too tired to pull this off. I honestly didn't think we would either, but we have done it. We are going to post this one on December 15th. And that is a Tuesday, Friday, which is what? December 16th, 17th, what? 18th? 18th, the finale is going to air on Disney Plus. And guess what, my friends, Spencer and I, hardworking people dedicated to the podcast, professionals that we are, will be watching the episode and doing a reaction slash review pod. You got it on the day it premieres. Woo! Shout out to us. And after this episode, how could you not be excited about that proposition? I mean, this episode kind of proves that maybe the best episode of each season is the second to last one because, man, this was a solid episode of television. It was really, really good. And a hell of, it was good in its own right, but it also also a really good setup episode. So we will get into the recap. We will get into the best line of the episode. I alone am Emperor, the best line of the episode. Then we will do a nostalgic moment of the episode, which Spencer controls. Before we do so, Spencer, do you want to do a quick 45-second advertisement for another little podcast you're on? Go! Uh, I'm also on a little podcast called Mangum Reads. It's a digital book club where you can join us as we listen and talk through various material um, we've been doing short stories on amazon prime in terms of the forward collection we're moving on to both returning to harry potter and also moving on to thrillers and mysteries and the awards that they win over the course of a given year so we hope you will join us in reading through those and listening to our varying opinions on the subject very good so giving just a little behind the curtain for everybody giving spencer 45 seconds to do that plug was a little bit of a reference to the pottering around podcast which is a podcast where they review chapter by chapter all of the harry potter books in that i believe it was you and bj that decided to give my wife what two minutes to do a review of the chapter at the start of every episode the rules have shifted. Uh, it definitely was two minutes as the average, but I also give BJ freedom to move it up or down based on just his own impish judgment. Uh, so she's had to do as, li as, as little as 145 to summarize Harry Potter chapters. But what's hilarious is that my wife, when you give her a rule, <clears throat> she has got everything in her being has to adhere to that rule. So when you gave her the two minute rule, she had to get it in under two minutes. So if you want some, uh, you want some laughs, uh, listen to that podcast and listen to my wife feverishly attempting to get a review of the, of the podcast in in the time allotted uh very good podcast love the pottering around podcast but that is not the podcast we're doing we're doing makeup talks tv we are reviewing chapter 15 of the mandalorian titled the believer spencer i know you said you liked the episode do you want to give me some more general takes before we jump in the recap uh, this you know in, ter in terms of just like fan nostalgia moments, some of the other episodes are superior. Some of the other episodes you know, introduce key characters that are massively important to the lore. But just as an individual bit of well-done television, this is probably my favorite episode of the season. It was tightly Ooh. done. It was expertly paced. It had some great character moments for what I really thought was going to be a one-off character. It had some beautifully filmed action. And it ended with probably the single most cheer-worthy moment of the entire series. Yeah, so that's it's interesting you say that because the other day we were we did the pod and um, afterwards we were talking a little bit about 
this episode, just, just off the record. And, uh, you were like really pissed that the fans didn't like this episode. Like it fired you up. I was surprised. I mean, it's been particularly, the fans have started to come around once they've actually discussed it. Everyone's kind of going, actually, no, that was really good television, even though it didn't like massively jump forward the plot. But that seems to be like the big divide that everybody had is that a lot of people initially wrote this off as being a filler episode. And I don't think that label really applies. I mean, no, I don't think it's a filler episode. And I also think it did advance the plot in a very, very big way. Um, and in a way that you can't trivialize, you can't like, look, they were The whole episode is about getting Moff Gideon's coordinates. Mm-hmm. Moff Gideon is not going to, you're not going to get his coordinates easily. They had to devote an entire, at least one episode. If they'd have done two, I would have been fine with it trying to get his coordinates. I mean, it's not, that's not something that you're, you're going to be able to just like, you know, roll up into your average stormtrooper bar and just like pay, you know, 50 credits to get, it's going to be difficult to, to, to get his to get his coordinates. So that was a real big plot point that they couldn't skip over. You've got to remember that there's no Facebook in the Star Wars universe, so there's no constantly little flashing notifications of where he's getting <laughs> launched at any given time. If that existed, they would. Be, this was clearly way too much effort when they just could have monitored his feed, but we have no reason to believe that such a, such a website exists in Star Wars. No, none at all. Tough to get his coordinates, and that is exactly what they set out to do in this episode. Let's start with the recap. I will jump into it. Previously on makes it clear. That's right, Spencer. We're getting Mayfield. Woohoo! Bill Burr is back. Very excited about that. Um, we start at a New Republic junkyard. It looks like some modified AT-ATs in the back. Second time, I think, this season we've saw we've seen modified AT-ATs, right? The first one was um, on that uh, water planet uh, where they were like using the modified AT-ATs to pick ships up out of the water, correct? Yeah, it was, I think it was, the planet was called Trask, if I remember that right. And yeah. yeah, I really enjoy that for a couple reasons. One, it reflects where the design of AT-ATs come from, of where the original design was based on those kind of loading cranes and harbors. So it's kind of nice to see them return to that route. And also, I just really enjoy the idea of we are a galaxy that is not in constant war. There is a bit of a, you know, swords to plowshards kind of moment here is that they're converting these to assist in the process of breaking down the weapons of war that divide the galaxy. It's just kind of a nice moment to see, you know, AT-ATs converted to a much more domestic purpose. Breaking down the weapons of war, that is exactly what's going on here in this uh, wreckage, in this uh, shipyard. It looks like they're coming through TIE Fighter wreckage and a droid approaches inmate 34667, which is Mayfield, indicating it has new instructions. Uh, then indicates he needs to salute Marshal Dune. Da, 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 in walks Cara Dune. Says she's been remanded. Uh, he's been remanded to her custody. Cara tells Mayfield she has a job for him. Mayfield seems hella confused, which I don't blame him. Like, this is just what? Like, he he probably is doing 12 hours a day of this work and just to be like hit cold water with Cara Dune. Um, and then the, the Cara Dune tells him, you know, you, let's go. And and this droid is walking behind him. Inmate three four six six seven three four six six seven. Continue three four six. And he's like, "What the hell?" He said, "It's a common courtesy, a common courtesy to tell people where you're taking them." Um, first of many lines in this episode that made me question: Was this one of two things? Was the were these lines written for Bill Burr, or with Bill Burr in mind, or were they lines that Bill Burr was able to Bill Burrize? Um. I'm expecting there were certain either gaps in the script or even just, you know, stage note, Bill Burr says appropriate funny thing. Because right. so, these are so in character for him in terms of a lot of these lines, particularly some that we see later. Um, yeah. But for this scene, were you impressed just how much pull Cara Dune has? I mean, yeah. she, she, she mined her context. She used, you know, various 
boons that she had to be able to get access to this guy and get permission to get him placed into her custody. But she's a relatively new marshal. I'm guessing she was kind of mining the old contacts she had back when she was a trooper. I would think so. I don't think this is just like new, what you know, the clout of a new trooper. Because also another another thing to keep in mind is that she's able to get Mayfield remanded to her custody without anyone else there. You know, yeah. she was relying on the clout of someone else. There would need to be someone else there that, you know, was actually making the move and then giving Mayfield to Carr. No, Carr is able to do this on her own. So it's a very good point. She's uh, in a very quick, uh, very short amount of time been able to secure herself what seems like a pretty powerful post with the New Republic. Yeah, she's not just rough and tumble. The girl understands politics and is able to work those connections. It says good things about how she might be as an outland's marshal. I, I they turned the... Go ahead. Sorry, I also just really enjoyed the very polite police brutality associated with that droid. Where he's very courteously saying you should go, you should go, and then just activates the electric baton at question number two. Yeah, indeed. They turn the corner and it's slave one with a ramp open. Boba Fett walks down and his armor is looking fresh. Spencer, fresh armor from Boba Fett. I would venture to say looking better even than it looked in The Empire Strikes Back. What did you think? I think significantly better. I mean, it, like you said. We're seeing a new and improved Boba Fett compared to what he once was. Previously, he didn't really give a shit, much of a shit about his appearance. His armor was scuffed and had obvious blast marks. This time, he's got fresh matte paint on this thing. You know what it is. You know what it is. It's like the guy who's been who has a house, and it's like kind of junky. And then he goes to prison for five years, and he gets out, and he gets mm. an apartment, and it's like he keeps it perfectly clean. I think he's just missing the, the armor. <laughs> so he's keeping it super fresh. Absence um, makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. Exactly. Yep. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Mayfield sees Boba and very funny. He says, Hey, for a second, I thought you were this other guy. And then do, 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 do. Mando walks down the ramp, causing Mayfield to sh- promptly shut up. I liked it when main Mando walks down, they play his theme, but also it causes a physical reaction to Mayfield. Oh, Mayfield like shakes almost. He, you know, he only shakes. He starts looking at his shoes like he's a toddler that got caught eating cookies. It's just like he immediately just reduces and reduces maturity to somebody who knows he's in trouble and is hoping he's not going to get punished. Really struggling. Mando walks over to Mayfield. Mayfield. Uh, Mayfield. Hey, Mando. Long time. So you came here to kill me? No. <laughs> No, he could have. He that's the dumbest line. Look, he could have killed you. Yeah, very he, much yeah, so. Yeah, he could have killed you uh, back on that uh, prisoner ship. But no, he's not going to kill you. Kara verifies that Mayfield was imperial. Mayfield says that was a long time ago, and Mando tells him slash ask him if he still knows his imperial protocols. I think he's saying like he still's in he's yeah he's imperial, but he still knows his imperial protocols. But I think it was a little bit of a question there, seeing if Mayfield speaks up. Uh, Mayfield does not, so it implies that, yeah, he still does. Mm. And we cut to the opening. Then we see Slave 1 ascending. Inside Slave 1, I am just going to take 30 seconds to completely geek out in the production of this show here for a second, Spencer. How we get a shot. Slave one? <laughs> oh, my God, Slave 1's awesome. We get a shot of the cockpit. I've always wondered how this worked, by the way. Because I had Slave 1, the ship. When I was a kid, and in always like, it, you know, it light, it goes vertical, uh, goes like um, horizontal to land, but then it comes up and it's vertical to fly. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering how, what it's like to sit in the thing. Well, we got our answer because the Slave One cockpit actually moves as Slave One shifts position. How awesome was that? Just a background image of the rotation that's happening during the course of the scene. That was such a wonderful bit of filmmaking. 
So cool. And answers the question about it. It's like, because yeah, up until now, I was like, man, Boba Fett really. Sometimes he's like having to marshal this thing, like, you know, sitting like 180 degrees. No, not at all. The cockpit just moves with him. Really sweet. Uh, Mando explains they need coordinates for Moff Gideon's cruiser. Uh, it's a great line from Mayfield here. Moff Gideon? Yeah, forget it. Just take me back to the scrapyard. I ain't doing that. <laughs> uh, then here we go. Potential line of the episode. Kara, they've got his kid. Mayfield, little green guy? Kara. Yeah, the little green guy. I mean, it's a legitimately a funny line, but I do really like that he is caught off guard and cares when he says that line. It's just like, everybody, everybody immediately cares about Baby Yoda, even Mayfield. Yeah, interesting that this explanation alone is enough to get Mayfield to come off his position of forget it, just take me back. I'm not dealing with, like, Moff Gideon. Because Moff Gideon's reputation precedes him. Oh, he yeah. immediately, when he hears Moff Gideon, he says, fuck that, I ain't messing with that guy. But he hears little green guy, little green guy, Spencer. Everyone loves the little green guy. Oh yeah, everyone, including Mayfield. I mean, he, he was a second of walk away. He was a second away from walking away. And now, hearing that Grogu is in danger, he's at least willing to hear them out about what they're talking about here. It, it's it is the yep. power of the Baby Yoda. Mayfield asks if they can go, uh, if he can go free, if he helps get Grogu back. And Kara says, "Nope, he'll just get a better view." Uh, Spencer, if you were Mayfield, would you take this deal? Yeah, probably still. I mean, for, for yeah, me too. What else are you doing? What what else are you doing? It gets you away, and I'm also working under the assumption that the people I'm dealing with are honorable and that they will fulfill their end of the bargain. Also, depending on how cutthroat I am, every second I'm out of prison is, not, is another opportunity that I can stay out permanently, depending on what choices I make. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good deal. I also do think that part of, like we talked about before, though, I do think part of uh, Mayfield taking the deal is he's like he had he had a little time with Grogu. He doesn't like the fact that Grogu's with Moff Gideon of all fucking people. Um, also, the go, go ahead. I say, Moff Gideon's not even good if you're an Imperial. I mean, if you had to pick what Imperial remnant faction to serve in, Moff Gideon wouldn't really be in your top ten. Doesn't seem oh, like he'd yeah. give much of a shit about subordinates. No, but I will say this. That the way they're discussing, and tell me if I'm crazy, the way they're discussing Moff Gideon's coordinates, it's like we need the coordinates for like one Imperial cruiser. It's Moff Gideon's cruiser. Yes. It makes me think that Gideon is not in complete control of the Empire at this point. That he is a, he is, yeah, of course he has a position. You know him by name. He's got his own cruiser. But it's not like, it's not the tone that I would expect if they were talking about where's the coordinates to the emperor. Instead, it, it just seems like he's just one ship, like potentially of many. Did you get that impression or am I, I reading too much into it? No, I really did get that impression. It really it implies in my mind that the place that we end up going to, Morak, I think is the name of the planet. Did I write Morak, that? yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it, the uh, Imperial remnants are more functioning like a loose federation of allied causes. They're all working together towards the same goal, but they're not all on the same banner. They're just more affiliated with each other. They're in contact. They can, you know, get, they, can, they can tell you where the P.O. box is to drop off a letter, but they're not under necessarily the same management. Maybe. Um, I don't think it's off the table that Grand, uh, uh, Grand Moff, um, uh, fucking, no, um, sorry, Thrawn? Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Tam. I'm reading, reading a book on the guy, and I forgot his name. Grand Admiral Thrawn is in, in control of most of the Empire. I don't think that's off the table, but I just did not get the impression here that they were talking about, like, the successor to the emperor in no, Moffat. De- definitely not. He's not. In a, he's not in a profound leadership role. He's kind of leading his own little faction. I, I do like your point that I, if Thrawn is not presently in command, he's putting himself in a position to assume that command here soon. 
Yeah. Back to the recap, Mayfield explains that he can't get those coordinates without access to an internal Imperial terminal. Says he thinks one might be on Morak. Mando, Morak? If there's nothing on Morak, a couple things here. One, Mando knows every fucking planet. <laughs> Very well written. Unbelievable. He knows every language, except for Frog. And he knows every planet. It's amazing that he knows Morak. Spencer, do we know Morak? Morak did not exist before this episode. This is, again, just demonstrating that Mando's a bit specialized with his knowledge, but in terms of geography and languages, that guy got all A's in his schooling. Yeah, one of those 3PO droids really, really hammered it <laughs> home. He does know his geography. Mayfield explains that Morak is a secret, secret Imperial mining hub. Uh, Mayfield says that if they can get him in there, he can get the coordinates. If they get him in there, Spencer, he can get the coordinates. Mayfield's willing to fight for the little green guy. This is where he decides, okay, let's do it. Aren't uh, we all, let's sir? Cowboy, let's cowboy up, my friend. This is the moment where we all unite together for a good common cause. Wouldn't we all fight for Baby Yoda? Yeah, and, and I mean, absolutely an underdog here to join the Mandalorian Avengers is Mayfield. But yeah, Mayfield's part of it. Uh, Mando tells Fett, more on this later, to punch in the coordinates for Morak. Um so, you know, Morak must be well-known enough that, like, you know, it, it, it's part of the, the standard, right, like, um, uh, hard drive for ships. They can just punch in the coordinates. It's a known place, known planet. Mm -hmm. uh, but how do we feel about the nickname Fit? Didn't really like it. I didn't like it either. It's like, you guys, no, you don't, you don't get to use that name with him. Full name only, sir. He, he's, merit, he's merited the full title. Fuck yeah, man. It's Boba Fett. I mean, it, it, don't call him Fett. I thought it was weird. Anyway, cut to Boba Fett. I'm going to call him Boba Fett. Showing off a hologram of a scouting report he has on Morak. Looks like he's found the Imperial base. Finnick wonders aloud what they could be mining, and Boba Fett says it's Rhydonium, which is apparently highly volatile and explosive, presumably for weapons that can be highly volatile and explosive. Mayfield does make the joke here that Rhydonium is highly volatile and explosive, kind of like Kara. Uh, which lands with a complete thud. Um, although I will say that his needling of Kara this episode does venture into what kind of seems like flirting to me a little bit, in my opinion. Just throwing that out there. I wanted to ask you about that. Because in my mind, yeah, he's poking her, but it's the schoolboy on the, on the playground kind of poking. And yeah. she is, I wouldn't, she's pretty much non-responsive, but still thoroughly amused that he even thinks to try it. Yeah, she just seems to get a kick out of him. But yeah, his you're right. That's it's the it's like not even the cool kid. It's like the like the non cool kid with like two friends needling the popular girl. I think that's what he's going for here. Uh, Boba explains that they have anti aircraft cannons and security forces protecting the base on Morax. So Mando pitches in, going in quote quiet, which I guess means undercover. That is my guess. A question, by the way, because I had actually not been familiar with Rhydonium, but I looked it up. I think it appears a fair number of times actually in Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, had you heard of it before the episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had. I mean, I, first first off, let me, let me point out something. Anytime you ask me a question about Clone Wars or Rebels, Clone Wars is 26 episodes a season for eight seasons that started in 2008. Jesus Christ. Okay, gotcha. So. <laughs> Bit of an investment. You, what you're going to get in me is a lot of, hmm, yeah, it seems yeah, kind of familiar. That, that was a word that was used somewhere in that 800 episode spiel. <laughs> right, but yeah, no, but it, but it, the fact that it was Rhydonium was established in Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, and is brought up here again, not surprising. I mean, mm -hmm. I would venture to say that they are pulling in the Mandalorian more from the episodes one, two, and three, and Clone Wars and 
uh, rebels than they are four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And given Filoni's involvement, does that surprise you at all? No, but no, n- no. But I mean, it, it is a little bit surprising just at a ten thousand foot level, right? Yes, that they're they're pulling it is from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the point I'm going for. Um, cut to Slave One, uh, flying into Morak. Morak looks to be a forest planet. We get a shot of Mayfield, Mando, Kara, Boba, and Fennec watching some Imperial ground transports drive by with some sweet, sweet action music playing in the background. We get a lot of action music this episode, we really um, do. which it's I really, re- I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's a good, it's definitely a good score in this. It hits each scene very well. Agreed. Mayfield explains he doesn't need long inside, so once he gets the coordinates, he needs to get the hell out. Boba Fett says they'll drop in and slave one to pick them up. Okay, reasonable plan. Kara indicates she and Mayfield will be going inside Mayfield. As much as I'd like to take a road trip with Rebel Dropper here, that's not going to (laughs) work. He explains that the remnant bases are set up by XISB. If you get scanned and your genetic signature shows up on any New Republic register, you'll get detected and then boop, 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 it's guns out. Kara says Mayfield sure knows a lot about Imperial Remnants. Of fucking course he does, Kara. That's the whole reason you brought him along. I was like screaming at my television at this insult. Like what? The whole point of getting Mayfield out of the scrapyard and bringing him along is that he would know something about the Empire, correct? Why are you needling him about that now? Yeah, this was a bit of like a, this is a bit of either unnecessary nettling or that she just had no better response other than to say essentially your face. It it was just a weird kind of thing to focus (laughs) on here. Mayfield snaps. If you want to accuse me of something, just say it. Mando cuts off the chatter, says Finnick will go in. She says, boop, that's a no-go. She's also wanted by the ISP. Mando, in the all-time most ignorant question of all time, asked Boba Fett if he could go in to an Imperial base, be facially scanned, and not be recognized. Boba, nice guy that he is, says, let's just say they might recognize my face. Maybe the funniest <laughs> line in the episode. Maybe the funniest line in the episode, just because how low-key it is. All-time ignorant question. Boba, do you think maybe you would be recognized by the Empire? <laughs> you know, there's a possibility, son. You know, let's talk maybe. about this more later. But let's just say they might recognize my face. Let's put that as a potential line of the episode. It may not it's win it, there. but it's funny, and it it certainly carries a lot of history. Um, So Mayfield says, okay, I'm going in alone. Car says, that's a no-go. Saying Mayfield, once he got inside, would flip. Fair. Tip off the fair. empire and then be a hero. Well, I, okay. Given you say that's the, fair. Given the knowledge they presently have, and having no other further reason to trust him, it's a fair concern from her. Not accurate. F- not accurate from what we know about him ultimately by the end of this episode. But I think we can agree it's a fair concern for her to have. It is, but she's willing to call off the entire mission because she thinks absolutely that's what he would do that's venturing more that's venturing past fair concern to like i absolutely think this guy would do this thing i don't think so even at this point from their perspective i mean he signed on to go help the little green guy i don't know i just didn't think it was a completely fair accusation but um i don't know we we may differ there uh mayfield says hey this wasn't my idea i'm doing you guys a favor very fair point car says Mm -hmm. deals off she's sending him back mando says he'll go in with mayfield mayfield hey I might be a good fast talker, but I don't think even I can explain away a guy in a Mando suit to Imperial Guards. Good fucking point. So unless you're going to take off that helmet, it'll be me going in alone. Or say goodbye to your little green friend. That is not an option, Bill Burr. (laughs) Not an option. Mando says Mayfield won't be going in alone. 
and he won't be showing his face. Now, what were you assuming, based on what he said, what they ultimately were going to do here? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a delightful quintessential Star Wars plot. Let's knock out some stormtroopers, steal their armor, and break into the Death Star and or a mining facility. Literally, literally an hour into the first in the first movie, episode four, New Hope, this plot point uh, occurs. So yeah, it's uh, it happens all the time. We uh, we're gonna steal some st- we're gonna knock some stormtroopers out. We're gonna steal their armor. We're gonna go in. We're gonna do what we have to do. And I don't know. Then we'll figure out some way to get out. You, that's usually the plan. <laughs> the getting out part usually is not so great. <laughs> um, it, it, it's hard enough to get in the door. Once you're there, you can improvise. It's not like you're under threat. It's not like you're not. Sur- it's not like you're surrounded by hostile people that would murder you if things go wrong. It's fine, dude. Cut to an Imperial transport with two stormtrooper-esque guards driving it. It's driving under an overpass that Mando Car and Mayfield are standing on. As the transport drives under, they jump on top of it. Inside Car uses left hook, boom, right hook, boom, left overhand, right overhand. Boom, smashing some guy's face together. Does a very hacky blow the hair off her face, which really made me cringe. Didn't like that at all. Um, Cut to the transport parked under the overpass slash tunnel area. And Mayfield is complaining as he puts on the guard suit that it's still wet, which is really, really funny to me. Because like we've talked about, how many times have we seen our heroes put Stormtrooper armor on? Never have we heard them talk about the flop sweat that must be in those things, Spencer. <laughs> I love that touch of realism. I was laughing my ass off. Is that yes, yes, that would suck. Yeah, it's a frick, <laughs> it's a freaking forest world. They're working all day. You are just bathing in that guy's excretions. Best of luck with that. Mando walks in from around a corner and he's got the stormtrooper on and is carrying his Mandalorian armor in a sack. Mayfield, oh, the shame. That's worth the price of admission right there. Um, pretty funny that he's kind of ribbing Mando here. I loved it. I also really loved how much the armor factors into our impression of Mando. He really does suddenly look remarkably less intimidating now that he's in Stormtrooper armor. Yeah, he certainly does. Much more, uh, much more pedestrian, Kara. Wish I could say it looks good on you, but I'd be lying. A little shipping there, Spencer. Uh-huh, a little shipping. Uh-huh. A little shipping. Uh, Mando reminds Kara to take out the rooftop gunners. We need snipers, Kara. We really need snipers. That is pretty important to this entire operation. Mando hands a sack with his armor over to Kara and asks her to take care of it. She says she will. Pretty big step there for Mando to... I thought he was going to bring his armor with him, um, which I guess would be stupid, but I just never... I never thought he was going to like actually have it out of his possession or general uh, you know, general area. I did not see him... In, in this entire plot, handing his armor off to Kara and then being like, I'll get it later. Even at this point, we're seeing a lot of character growth out of Mando. The fact he's even willing to go with this plan at all is impressive enough. I wasn't, I don't think Mando season one would have even entertained the idea of taking off his armor for this purpose. Maybe. No. His relationship with the kid has grown since then, so that factors in as well. But I think it also just reflects his own altering or broadening philosophy with respect to the Mandalorian Creed and why he does what he does. But like you said too, him giving the armor to Kara is a profound statement of the friendship that they have. It's mm-hmm. also notable that so many moments in both season one and season two, when shit is hitting the fan, he goes to Kara to seek help. Oh, yeah. She's mm-hmm. kind of his go-to friend-in-need kind of person. Yep. I would say that she's his, she's his best friend at this point. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Grogu is, but like you know, aside from that, I, I would say it's Kara. Grogu is um, his son. Let's get the relationship correct, sir. Yeah, I'm willing to go ahead there. It's father-son type thing here. Um, 
As Mando is getting onto the Imperial transport, Mando ribs him again. What would they say on Mandalore? <laughs> and then Takara, you know, it's a shame you're not coming with us. You have such a sunny disposition. <laughs> this is another one of those lines where it's like, is that really written, written with Bill Burr in mind, or is that a line that Bill Burr Bilburized? I mean, either the writer of the episode, double check who the writer of the episode is, because he did a really good job. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa. Impronounceable last name. He does a good job, but either he very either he has an excellent read on Bill Burr to write his lines perfectly, or he gave Bill Burr a lot of freedom to work on his lines. Yeah, because I've I think I've heard Bill Burr say that to people before. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have such a sunny disposition. Um, uh, just dripping with sarcasm. There, Mayfield's able to get the transport started, and him and Mando are off. Action music is playing, lots of drums, really driving tempo here. Spencer, as you mentioned, great score for this episode. Mayfield Tomando, how's it feel? Come on, man. You still get to wear a helmet, right? Mayfield complains he can't see anything, takes his helmet off. I don't know how you people wear those things. And by you people, I do mean Mandalorians. <laughs> Bill Burr preemptively answering the age-old, what do you mean, you people? Mm-hmm. Question, uh, Which I thought was really funny. Um, transport keeps going. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of b- blow through some of the action scenes here, Spencer. Um, feel free to stop me at any point. Like, sure. a, you know, we have we get we do have some action sequences with a lot of dialogue, so I'm gonna try to give a, a, a summary of those. But you know, don't hesitate to stop me if you got something to add. Mm-hmm. Transport keeps going. We see a shot of Fennec watching on a hilltop to a scope. She comes to Boba Fett that Phase One is done and they are in. Back in the cockpit, Mayfield turns to Mando and says, "Feels better when it's off." <laughs> still it's kind of a callback to him him trying to get mando to take his helmet off the first time they ever met this had real vibes of you and i driving to charleston for a wedding kind of thing right here it's just like we need to find something to talk about for four hours let's find a way to fill the conversation it it apps i had the same exact thought of me and you because like when me and you road trip i just take on the bill burr persona here and i just and you are usually pretty stoic eyes on the road you're very serious and i'm like no, seriously. What, I mean, like, what do you eat for lunch normally? <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, dude, I'm just trying to watch the road. It's raining. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But lunch, man. Lunch. I mean, what do you normally? Is it like you're a sandwich guy? Like, yeah, I'm doing that the whole time. Where do you stand on pesto? Let's talk about this. <laughs> more shots of the Morak countryside. Beautiful shots there. Um, I don't know where they filmed this, but um, I don't I don't think this was all CGI. They were somewhere uh, in a forest area. Mm-hmm. We also see shots out of the cockpit of the countryside, which has wreckage. Um, it looks like some of these transports have tried to bring Rodonium um, through this through this road before and Next failed results. miserably. Next results. Um, but we also see very poor people moving about. And they the show takes pains to show Mayfield, especially Mayfield, noticing the poor people that they pass, but also, you know, also Mando does as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mando, Mando you know, locks eyes with the kid and they share a bit, share a bit of a moment too as they're passing by and yep. it makes for an interesting scene because we get in terms of his just spiel of trying to fill the silence between them because Mando is making no effort to make this a comfortable conversation we get a nice bit of little philosophizing from Bill Burr here we certainly do um, let me get back to our uh, recap um, over the radio they hear Imperial folks chatting about the stability of the Rhydonium Mando says to Mayfield don't worry about the Rhydonium. As long as you drive steady, 
You'll get us to the refinery. Well, gee, thanks, Mando. You fucking expert in Rhydonium. <laughs> you really gotta um, love this expert guidance that he provides here. I'm just really reassured with that kind of advice. I didn't know what I was what he was gonna do otherwise. Honestly, like doing a mission like this with Mando at times have to be exasperating when he says shit like this. It's like, what the fuck do you know of Rhydonium? It's like, just, you didn't just, even know it existed two hours ago. Just, just pull, the, pull the atlas out of the out of the corner pocket and read off that. That's the only thing you're good at, man. Let me actually do the driving. Mayfield kind of ignores that that little bit of pep talk from Mando as they drive um, through some locals, and yet again we see the poverty is ran, rampant, and it seems to affect Mayfield in this scene. It does. Um, he, it really gets he him kind of like his shoulders drop. Yeah, and you can tell they've told they told Bill Burr like act like he's seen something that affects you, right? Mm-hmm. Mayfield, yeah, Empire, New Republic. It's all the same to these people. Invaders in their land is all we are. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Somewhere, someone in the galaxy is ruling, and others are being ruled. So this is the Septon Maribald speech of the Mandalorian, right? It really is. Yeah, it's this. It's the common people that suffer. Everybody else is playing their Game of Thrones. I, I love your reference to Septon Maribald. It's perfect in terms of describing this. It's that... We're, we're just people trying to get by. Everybody else is fighting their own battles. They really don't care about the shit that's going on the ground. It's these people that matter. And honestly, how much does it really matter to them who's winning? And Back to Mayfield. Go ahead. It's a perspective you don't often get in Star Wars. Because, we again, we it's so rare we get to spend a lot of time with the people who are just the boots on the ground. I will give, I know episode 7, 8, 9, not your favorite. You Actually, you really don't seem to like the Star Wars movies except for 4, 5, 6. Let's get that out there. But 7, 8, 9... Does at least have Finn. It does have Finn. They never know jack shit what to do with him. And I, I well, well, they do in the first one. I they do, do in I, episode seven, which is part of the reason I that they, I'm yeah. actually kind of fond of seven. I actually am kind of fond of seven as as it stands. It does some things a lot of well, and has a lot of great nostalgia. It's a good feel. It's its own standalone film. It's just they took a lot of great things from that and then didn't necessarily do much with them. And Finn's a good example there, where Finn was a very interesting character they could have done a lot with after the first movie. And I think they kind of lost track of him. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a fair criticism. But yeah, they do have Finn and and like this idea that like it doesn't really matter if you're Republic or Empire. There are there are troops on the ground who, you know, are just being used. Um, and and Finn is an example of that. That you know, I think that Episode Seven does pretty well. Anyway, yeah. back to Mayfield speaking to Mando. I mean, look at your race. Do you really think all those people that died in wars fought by Mandalorians had any choice? So how are they any different than the Empire? Look, if you were born in Mandalore, you believe one thing. If you were born in Alderaan, you believe something else. But guess what? Neither one of them exists anymore. That's not really true. Mandalore still exists. Mayfield, hey, I'm just a realist. I'm a survivor, just like you. Mando says they're nothing alike, Mayfield. I don't know. Seems to me your rules start to change as soon as you get desperate. True! <laughs> Fucking called it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, look at you. You said you couldn't take your helmet off, but you get a stormtrooper. You got a stormtrooper one on. So what's the rule? Is it that you can't take off your Mando helmet, or you can't show your face? Because there's a difference. Bill Burr asking the real questions here, ladies and gentlemen, because mm -hmm. all of the fandom wants to know that right now. All of the fandom wants to know that. Mayfield wraps up. Look, I'm just saying we're all the same. Everybody got their lines; they don't cross until things get messy. As far as I'm concerned, if you can make it through your day and still sleep at night. You're doing better than most. Can I, what a monologue. Can, can I vote for just like, a, can we can we get like a cross-country drive with the two of them just in a car? Because if I could get monologues like that and exchanges between these characters, I would be really content. This was some great television right here to watch. 
Really great monologue. Um, probably one of the better monologues we've ever seen on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad they gave it to Bill Burr. He's able to deliver it well. I didn't really do the accent. Um, I, every, I, I did said, uh, I mean, look at you. Yeah, there you go. I got you, that you, little you bit of that. You got that perfectly. It was perfectly done. <laughs> but I didn't really have the accent. But that's a really good, um, I think a really good monologue there from Bill Burr. And again, asking the real fucking questions. What's the rule here, Mando? Because mm-hmm. you said you can't take off your helmet. Well, your helmet's off. Nobody's seeing your face. So what? what is it? Yeah, I mean, he points out a lot of really good points here about, I mean, about your perspective on war and, you know, who are the good guys and bad guys based on where you come from. Some very justified criticism, or at least targeting the Mandalorians, but hey, warrior culture. What did all those people you made war on really think about your wars? Where do you think they stood on them? And, you know, hitting Mando himself about his particular philosophies, about which he carries himself, and his willingness to bend them based on the circumstances. It's a fun degree of poking we get from Bill Burr here, and I like it quite a bit. Now, some of the clear justification he's trying to assign for his own actions and his own choice, his own kind of justification for a gray and the false equivalence of all being the same, I don't know how true that actually factors out or how much he actually... How honest he's being with himself based on what we see at the end of the episode, but it is clearly the philosophy that he's using to allow him to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, but let's go, let's go back. Um, start of the monologue. If you were born in Alderaan, you believe something. If you're Mandalorian, you believe one thing. If you were born in Alderaan, you believe something else. But guess what? Neither of them exist anymore. Full break. Stop. Not true. Mandalore does exist. What? It wasn't blown out of the sky like Alderaan. A little bit of a false equivalency there. Definitely so. It is interesting to have a lot of people now say, Mando himself, that even if it has you know, not literally been reduced to an asteroid field, a lot of people seem to view it as a world that essentially doesn't exist anymore. That it, like, At the very least, it has been scoured clean, even if it hasn't been fully eradicated, which, if we believe Bo-Katan, is just simply not true. I was about to say, because there is one person in the motherfucking universe who does not believe that Mandalore doesn't exist anymore, and that is Bo-Katan. Because Bo-Katan is like, I am going to go rule Mandalore. That planet still exists, and I'm going to be the ruler of it. Is this just? I will be Mandalore. Is this just very successful imperial propaganda? You know, I think it's like, um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think it's like they have they very successfully spread the narrative that they reduced Mandalore to like smoldering ash, right? Like we, yes. we, we destroyed everything on that planet. I don't believe that's true either. Mm-hmm. I think that they just basically went in and, and, and took it over uh, and they took it over in proper Imperial fashion, which is means they destroyed a lot of shit, but I don't think that they destroyed every single home, every single building, every single, everything on Mandalore. No, I don't believe that. Which, you know, we were debating the other day about what plot lines they can do if we uh, ever have Mando and Baby Yoda separated. Reclaiming of Mandalore could make for a hell of a plot line if they want to go in that direction. Pretty sure they're going to do that one with a Bo-Katan spinoff series. That would be my guess. Have they announced that one yet? Because they've announced everybody else, but I hadn't heard they'd done that one yet. It was my understanding that at Disney's Investor Day, they basically said that every single character you've ever known of will have a spinoff series. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Bo-Katan gets one. It's the it's the classic Oprah. You get a spinoff series. You get a spinoff series. So yeah, I think we're going to get a Bo-Katan one at some point. No, but to answer your question, no, they didn't announce that Investor's Day. But I would be shocked if we didn't get one. Um, considering the actress who played Bo-Katan this season also was the voice actor for Bo-Katan in, in Clone Wars and Rebels. And she is all she is online hard advocating for more Bo-Katan. So she's down. <laughs> 
Uh, Mayfield and Mando hear some Imperials yell into their comms, like, you know, the sort of like classic, oh, God, no, what's going on? Explosion. Um, the, basically the concerning radio dispatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they see an explosion in the back, in the foreground. Mando says that right their Rhydonium is still safe, stable. The radio dispatcher says they should proceed with caution. Mayfield, <laughs> proceed with caution? Is she serious? <laughs> so Mayfield already is starting to panic. Um, they hear some more screaming in the radio and they see some more explosions. Next, we get a serious action sequence. Mayfield drives through some brush fire. And some pirates drive up in a skiff next to them. Spencer, did you notice what the alien species was of these pirates? You know, I did not write it down. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't look it up either. Uh, is it is it a recognizable species? Not to me. That's why. Yeah, you know, I realized as I was halfway through that that I was setting it up as if I knew the answer. Don't know the answer. <laughs> Go good. I did not recognize. Apologies for that. No, I didn't. I didn't recognize them either. Um, uh, and, and, you know, considering that Morak is just a planet that they just cooked up for this episode, I'm not sure that we're going to get uh, a name for it. I mean, we may get a name for the aliens, but I'm not sure it ties back to anything. Yeah, and two points here. One, I love the building tension that's underlying this scene. Especially one of the more effectively tense scenes they've done in Man- in Mandalorian. Just of the unknowing factor of what the hell is happening and the increasingly building threat of how just screwed they are. It's really well played. Um, also, question for you. because This, this is yep. something the fandom was in knots about. These guys are only ever referred to as pirates. Do you think, from what we have seen, that that is true? That they're pirates? They're only ever called pirates. These guys, you know, the, the the attack, the ones that are trying to attack and blow them up. No, no, they're no, they're not pirates. No, they are trying to they're trying to protect the land. They're, yeah. They live on this planet. They're simply trying to protect their land. Um, which should be something that, as a fan base that supports the New Republic or previous to that, the, the Rebellion, we should appreciate. But they use the term pirates, so whatever, we call them pirates. But no, I don't think they're pirates. It, 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 I agree. These guys are basically freedom fighters. They're trying to get the Imperials off their planet, best as we can see, based on the fact that they're trying to take anything. Pirates steal shit. Pirates are thieves on ocean. That's how they work. And they're not also normally inclined to just throw their lives away for causes. These guys are willing to you know, die for the sake of preventing these materials from getting in the base. These guys are very dedicated freedom fighters slash terrorists, depending on your point of view. And it makes for some nice moral ambiguity that our heroes are having to shoot who in pretty much any other setting would be the good guys to stay alive here. Uh, yeah. And we get that moral ambiguity, you know, as, as the scene progresses, because I mean, you know, they're, they're at this point, they're fighting on behalf of the empire. Um, uh, where do where are we at here? Skiff next to them jump onto the transport. Uh, Mayfield is just screaming in the background. Get them off! Get them off! We see a lot. We have a lot of action music here. Mando yells down to Mayfield. They're trying to blow the Rhydonia. Mayfield, you think uh-huh. you should have left me in prison? So Mayfield at this point full freak out, but he is still driving the the Imperial uh, transport and he is doing his darndest to follow. Uh, I guess the temperature levels of the Rhydonium to make sure it doesn't get unstable. Yeah, it seems like a mix between temperature and maybe like nitroglycerin, where you just don't want to shake it too much either. Yeah, more, quote, pirates jump onto the transport and Mando starts shooting them, but runs out of blaster fire. Real he runs out of blaster right. fire. Yeah, which is funny, right? Because like, when have we ever in the Star Wars universe seen a fucking blaster run out of blaster fire? Like, I, never. I, I really love this initial, this initial fight scene, both from a filmmaking standpoint. Did you notice the one tracking shot they have of Mando climbing out of, the, out of his seat and up through the roof is all one steady shot? 
which really it, it gives you a great sense of perspective of what the actual setting of this is and what the battlefield he's going to be fighting is. So I like that. I also like the shot where they, they do like a side shot of the, quote, pirates jumping onto the transport one by one. Yeah. That was also a pretty cool cool shot because it, obviously it's it's happening in motion. Great cinematography. Um, uh, when he go ahead. Similar to with the blaster, I love how out of his element and vulnerable Mando is in this scene. And I imagine you're going to go into detail on that, but it's a nice change of pace, particularly for me. It's been complaining about him being just an invulnerable superhero. Seeing him without all of his gadgets and armor actually be damn near overwhelmed under threat is a wonderfully refreshing change of pace. Because it actually gives us tension. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it does. He doesn't have his spinning whirly things. He doesn't have his jetpack. But, um, you know, he's still kicking some serious ass. But uh, he ch- So when he runs out of blaster fire, he chucks the gun at the guy. Does the thing that I would totally do, which is <laughs> chuck, chuck, chuck. <laughs> he throws the blaster and he starts fighting hand to hand. Again, Mando kicking some serious ass here, but he does not have his armor. He doesn't have his gadgets. So he is human. He throws a few of them overboard. There's a spear through the last one. So the first skiff, he's able to, yeah, he's able to clear those guys out. More, quote, pirates show up and Mando implores Mayfield to drive faster. But as he does so, the Rhydonium gets more unstable. Mayfield eventually has to slow down, yelling, I don't think, I don't think faster is the right answer here, Mando. (laughs) Go ahead. Did you notice how Mando's tactics were built around his as a uh, Beskar? There's several moments in when he like tries to block their spears, forgetting that he's just wearing like cheap Imperial plasteel. And it cuts through him. Yeah, it cuts it, to get him. Yeah. He actually gets pretty hurt in this scene just because he's he's got kind of gotten um a little he's gotten too comfortable from wearing Beskar, and so now that he's not fighting at it, he damn near gets himself really seriously hurt as these spears start cutting into him pretty deep. Right, but I would say that like. You're right that he is. He's ma- he's making certain moves, assuming that the best car is going to block the, you know, whatever's you know the sword or the spear or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it. But by doing so, yes, he hurts himself. But he is able to like block shots in a way that like normal people wouldn't be able to. So I think it actually ends up helping him in the fight, although it does hurt him because he's able to like actually like use his arm to block a few shots that probably would have got through if he was thinking. Um, I can't dispute. I can't dispute his methods. His results are his, his results are impeccable. Yeah, it ends up working, right? Mayfield has to slow down um, because of the bridonium, you know, heating up, becoming more unstable. And when he does so, more pirates quote jump onto the ship. Man, Mando um, keeps fighting them off, but there's a lot of them here. Uh, interspersed uh, in this, we get action music um, that has Mando's theme in it, which I thought was cool. I don't know if you caught that. They got this dr- just driving action music, but we get mm-hmm. the the Mandalorian theme during the sequence as well. Mando keeps fighting them off. Eventually gets knocked down, held down. This might be what you're talking about here, where he seems very mortal. Um, another one opens up the door to the Rhydonium on the top of the transport and puts in a thermal detonator, waves, hey, let's get out of here. Uh, they leave the ship as the thermal detonator ticks down. Mando, heady play here. Heady play for Mando. Gets up, grabs the detonator, whoop, throws it back at them, and it explodes. That's a beautiful shot, too, just seeing that fire encompass them. We've even seen the reaction of that guy as he sees the fire coming at him. Again, really beautiful filmmaking during the course of this, this prolonged fight scene. Completely agree. At the base, Mando and Mayfield get out and are being... Cheer! No, sorry. Um, we, we get more. There's a lot of we do get more. At these guys. I jumped. Uh, <laughs> whoop, let's go back. Uh, more pirates show up. All of them with detonators, 
and Mando looks exhausted. Like he's like on the on the top and he finally gets up and he does like this sort of like Jon Snow looking at the Bolton crew coming at him like, okay, Damn, fuck it. Good reference. Let's do it. Let's do it. And woo! Here comes Knights of the Vale. TIE Fighters, is that the Empire's music? TIE Fighters fly in and shoot the pirates. Triumphant music plays as the transport gets to the base. The last remaining remaining pirates are shot by stormtroopers. A surreal scene. We're rooting for the TIE Fighter. We're yeah. rooting for the Stormtrooper. Um, and Mayfield even uh, calls it out, speaks on behalf of, of the Star Wars audience watching this, uh, this episode. Never thought you'd be happy to see Stormtroopers. Yeah, I, this may be the only time we've ever seen the, the Empire act as the cavalry to save us from the save us from the attacking hordes. It, I mean, it almost it almost forces the audience to you know embrace uh, Bill Burr's philosophy that he already gave us is that hey, it's your perspective of where you're coming from. You yeah. essentially have been occupying the Imperial perspective right now, and so you're going to see them as the good guys for just this scene. Yeah, it's very like video games in that way, right? Well, whoop, we're doing the Imperial mission right now. We're rooting for the TIE Fighters. Uh, at the base, Mando and Mayfield get out and are being cheered by the Imperial men. Mayfield tells Mando, all they have to do is find the terminal. Is it kind of like whispering to him? All I'm going to do is find the terminal. Mm-hmm. It's probably in the officer's mess. They walk toward it and Mayfield sees the terminal in the mess. All right, we've got it, Spencer. It's 20 feet away. This is, we're, we're done, right? We got it. Okay, there's something they didn't think about, though. Uh, if you bring in an existing, imp- a former Imperial uh, soldier, he might know people there and they might know him. Mando says, good luck. Mayfield turns to go into the room. Whoop! Recognizes somebody, immediately turns around, says, that's Valen Hess. Spencer, does that name mean anything to you? Not a, nothing to me. Not a thing. I mean, they've based on other references that we have, they're establishing them in existing lore, but the name itself, I think it's a, he's a creative character for the show. Valen Hess. Bill Burr slash Mayfield says he used to serve under him. Mando asks if he would recognize him, and Mayfield says, I don't know. I was just a field operative. Probably not, but he does not want to take the chance. Mayfield says they have to abort the mission. What's interesting to me is that there are so many times during this um, mission where somebody like, I think like prematurely says we have to abort. And then like somebody goes, no, shut up. Like we're not aborting. <laughs> like Mayfield does that. Here. He says we have to abort. And then Mando is like, no Mando. Great line here. Powerful line. If we don't get those coordinates, I'll lose the kid forever. Mm-hmm. Mayfield seems to get the seriousness behind that statement. Did you see it kind of affect him? It clearly affected him, but it, I don't think it moved him enough to change his position, but it clearly affected him. It clearly was like, I understand, but this yeah. could be real bad if I do this. I'm sorry, but... Yeah, Mando says he'll do it. And he asked for the USB thumb drive. Um, <laughs> Mayfield, <laughs> Mayfield says it won't work. In order to access the network, they have to scan your face. Mando takes the thumb drive anyway and walks in. Mando then proceeds to walk in the most awkward way a human <laughs> can possibly walk. I have nothing to hide. I am not a man that has mess. anything to hide. <laughs> You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of those black and white movies where like someone is like having to pretend to be someone else yes. and they just kind of like run into walls because they're so awkward. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's very much that or it's like in the cartoons of like a character is sneaking and he does that elaborate walking on each tippy toe kind of sneaking in the background. So awkward. The officers take notice of him. Of course they do. Mando inserts the thumb drive into the terminal and there's an error because can't scan the face, and it begins counting down. Mando, 
takes off his helmet, Spencer. The things we do for love. Mando took off his helmet in front of people. There's no more, there's no more equivocating of is it the Mandalorian mask or is it the not show your face? There's none of that. It's out the window. Mando has absolutely um, really, really changed his morality, what he holds dear, and he has done something we never thought he was going to do, and that is take his helmet off in a room full of fucking people. The terminal scans him, and the countdown stops. Now, mm-hmm. powerful moment with Incredible. Mando taking off the helmet. Is there anything you want to say about Mando taking off the helmet before I jump into a Reddit post that pissed me off? Uh, is the Reddit post discussing the mustache or something else? Something else. What? Something else? Okay. Okay. Uh, the mustache thing has just been delightful to see how Star Wars fans feel the need to have every single detail in the universe explained. Is there are a lot of people up in arms that it doesn't make sense they'd have a mustache. And it's just been the most just weird thing to focus on is that he's always wearing a helmet. Why on earth would he maintain that kind of carefully, perfectly groomed mustache? It's like, well, he isn't always. He just doesn't show anybody. Probably still wants to look good and be yapping himself. But whatever, yeah, I, I, that I, just tickled I me. But sorry, I didn't know the one. But no, before I get into Reddit, you actually just like did the thing I was like saying I'm about to do, which is like get into minutia. But before we get to minutia, I was going to say, is there anything else you wanted to talk about about a seminal moment in the series, huge moment here? I don't want to uh, blow through it um, without giving it the the importance that it deserves, no. which is Mando taking his helmet off. No, I think it's an incredibly powerful moment. It shows how far that he's come, and it really embodies a lot of the philosophies that they were trying to emphasize in the more recent Star Wars material about finding your own path, you know, escaping from the cycles of violence, the cycles of codes, the hidebound traditions that you came from, and finding your own direction and your own, own lot in life. Your own decisions that, will guide, that, you can, that you can personally guide and justify as part of your own quest to do what's best to the right thing. And this is Mando's own personal journey in that regard. And seeing him reach this moment, it's incredibly touching. Really just show not only just how much he's coming to understand his own Mandalorian creed and how it works for him, but what he's willing to sacrifice for the sake of his affection for Baby Yoda. And, you know, that that is heartwarming. I thought it was huge. I thought... Um... It was even the, the importance that we should place upon it is is exponentially higher because Mayfield is around, so he he knows Mayfield's going to see his face, and he knows that Mayfield may talk later. Uh-huh. So, really big moment here for Mando. Now to the Reddit post I thought I was referencing. Uh, some Reddit post uh, complained that really all this scan is is just in so long as you have a face, you can access this material. No, you idiots. They address this earlier on in the episode, which is they scan your face and in, and then they're they're checking that against a database of folks with the New Republic. Right. That's what they're checking for. Are you a known New Republic agent? Finnick would have popped up on that, right? Mm-hmm. Kara would have popped up on that. Like Mando's Mando's the perfect person for that facial scan because his face isn't going to it's not going to pop up on anything. Yeah, the man has no record whatsoever. I mean, do we think he's in any database as a result of what, you know, few years of independent childhood he had? Probably not. So, it, yeah, in terms of just a blank to insert in front of this, he's ideal. Yeah, it's, it's actually perfect that he does this. Um, Mando gets the information. Uh, he gets his thumb. He presses the, the, the eject button in the software for his USB thumb drive. He pulls it out, but he's approached by Valen Hess. God damn it. Uh, he asked Mando his designation. Mando, acting like the kid in class, pretending he's read the book report, says, transport crew. 
fair. You know that much. My designation is transport co-pilot. This is probably a wrong answer because Valen has then asked him, what is your TK number? Mando cannot play Mad Libs at this level, Spencer, and he yeah. just shuts down. And then, is that Mayfield's music? Mayfield, going back on what he said he was willing to do, probably spurred, right? Probably motivated by what he saw Mando do, take his helmet off, walks in and gets in front of Valen Hess, taking that risk. Mayfield says, this is my commanding officer, uh, TK-593, sir. I'm Imperial Combat Assault Transport Lieutenant TK-111, sir. And he then says, you have to speak up a little bit, um, basically saying that uh, Mando lost his hearing in uh, Tanab. I don't know what that is. It's a reference to something. Um, so all that to say, Bill Burr coming into the squared circle to assist Mando just when you think Mando's about to be taken down. And he's got, he can spit it all out. He knows all the Empire jargon. Boom, TK111, sir. Boom, I'm Transport Assault Lieutenant. Says all the right things. Yeah, given how quick he is on his feet, I don't know. He might have been able to walk a Mandalorian in here. He does a really good job with a cover story just in a heartbeat. It's not like they discussed this beforehand. He's just working on the fly for this shit. And Hess, like, kind of brushes up. I mean, it's enough that, like, Hess doesn't, like, say, okay, put the rest of these guys, right? Yeah. But he, do, he, he does kind of put Bill Burr aside and then yells, what's your name, officer? Mando should be able to answer this one, Spencer. Nope. Just nope. make up a name. Any name. Any name. But he, Mayfield has to jump in and says, we just call him brown eyes. Mayfield tries to leave and says, let's go fill out those TPS reports so you, we can recharge the power you cord. You cannot tell Great me that he... reference. You cannot oh tell me he God. didn't ad-lib that shit. <laughs> oh my God, Spencer. I just melted in my seat at the reference. I don't know. I don't know if that was Bill Burr. I don't know if it was writers. Uh, but for those that don't know, TPS reports are the... Uh, it's in the movie Office Space. Mm -hmm. um, in the movie Office Space, it's about a guy who... It's a comedy movie who has a go-nowhere, just shitty, sitting-in-a-cubicle office job, and his boss, who is a real prick, keeps asking him for TPS reports, which are just sort of filler for just boring administrative garbage. <laughs> and the fact that they reference TPS reports in a Star Wars canon show... Oh! Was, I, top 10 for me, Spencer. It, it was Perfect. great. I, I was laughing out loud. I mean, Office Space is an incredibly... It was always a funny movie, but it's amazing to see also how prophetic to what working in the real world is really like. So it's a movie that's near and dear to my heart. And yeah, to have it now entering into Star Wars, my life is complete. So funny, but not so fast. Valen Haas says, they are not dismissed. Mando and Mayfield turn around. Hess says, you're the tank trooper who delivered the shipment or idonium. You two managed to be the only transport that delivered their shipment. Come with me. Let's get a drink, brown eyes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Spencer. Oh, boy. Credit needs to be given to this actor. His uh, name is Richard Brick. He does a really good job of playing a slimy, loyal... I mean, the name, name of the episode is The Believer, right? I mean... The Believer and I... We can... Let's talk at the end of the episode about who we think The Believer is. We, 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 we'll definitely make that. But credit to him. He does a great job. And I did not recognize him for this, but I looked up his filmography. This is actually the original Night King from back in seasons four and five, including Heart Home. So credit to him. The Night King, by the way, that everyone wanted to come back, right? Oh. Everybody... That was the... Bar none, favorite fan, um, uh, favorite Night King of the fandom. Yeah, not only just superior in terms of the acting, in the sense that we actually got a sense of his character just from his little gestures, but just massively superior makeup work on, on that version of the Night King, too. 
Yeah, agreed. Outside car and Finnick found a great sniper post. Spencer, did this uh, give you the warm and fuzzies from your, your time sniping people in, uh, in various uh, video games? I have found the Canyon Ridge and I am content. <laughs> this is a perfect spot just to pick off people. As later proves in this episode of where they very much save our, save our uh, infiltrators' ass from this position. Yeah, I'm not really like a big video game guy, but grow like so the Magnetos Podcast channel, we're all a group of friends that um, knew each other in college and are still good friends now, but we knew each other in college and in college, everybody would play this video game Halo. And they just fucking loved it. And like it's obviously a big video game, but my God, in our friend group, was it popular? Now I get motion sickness when I play mm-hmm. Halo. So I never could play it for more than about 15, 20 minutes at a time. These guys would play it for what, eight hour period, Spencer. Is that is that unfair? I cannot tell you how many hundreds of hours we invested into playing these same rounds of Capture the Flag and Blood Gulch. It, it we would just we were perfectly content to essentially play the same game over and over and over again, and often do it in your house with your Xbox while you just you know were able to participate every now and then before you were t- literally too sick to play. Yeah, but I did have the experience of okay, all right, I'm playing. I got, I, got, I got a short period of time before I'm going to start to get sick. All right, well, all right, here's the canyon. All right, boom, bang, bang shot. Down. What the fuck? And they're like, that's Spencer. He's sniping. <laughs> and, and Spencer finds a sniper post, and he just starts killing people. So anytime in this show when somebody's sniping, I'm going to I'm gonna kick it to Spencer because he's, he's the sniper. I happy to represent. Kara mentions they'll have to take out some cannons. Uh, Boba's going to have to get... They're going to have to take out some cannons if Boba's going to get close enough to get them. Basically... Uh, the cannons have enough firepower to really do damage to the ship, so they're going to have to take them out in order for Boba Fett to kind of fly in there to get our heroes. Phoenix says that shouldn't be a problem. Tells Kara to take out the troopers, and she'll take care of the cannon. Now, I'll tell you this, Spencer. When Phoenix says, I'll do X, I'm pretty sure that X is going to happen. The, the, <laughs> She's got street cred with me at this point. Yeah, the X is done. Fennec has been one of the great additions to this show. I'm so, so glad they brought her back because she is just the picture of competence. If she says something is going to happen, it probably already has. Yeah, I mean, when you're you're amassing the Mandalorian Avengers, Fennec is a great, great, great A-plus addition. Kara wonders, back to the recap, Kara wonders what's taking them so long, and there is no way she'd guess it's because they're having a drink with an Imperial <laughs> officer. No fucking way, Spencer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, inside, uh, Valen has asked them um, what they should toast to. He says he could blather on about health or success, but he'd like to do something a little less root. Ask where Brown Eyes is from. Mando at this point, still helmetless, by the way, still helmetless, is just clam the fuck up. Like he's done playing any sort of Mad Lips. He's done. I mean... We've discussed your, your background before, man, but do we really, really want to recommend that this man does a stand-up or an improv class just so he can get a little bit quicker on his feet? Because this is getting sad that he just can't even say a damn word in defense of his cover right now. Yes, and, Mando. Yes, and. Yes. Come on, man. It's easy. <laughs> Classic trick. Yes, and. Mayfield says, how about a toast to Operation Cinder? Hess says, well, there's a man who knows his history. Mayfield, I don't just know it. I lived it. Uh-oh. Mayfield says he was he was in Burn and Cone. Valen Hess says, well, that was a hard day. Not to make me unpleasant decisions. Mayfield agrees. Entire city gone in moments. Along with everybody in it. Uh-oh. We lost our whole division that day. Uh-oh. That was like, what, five or 10,000 people? Uh-oh, Spencer. Uh-oh. Mayfield's losing it. Valen Hess says, all heroes of the Empire. Mayfield, yeah, all dead. Uh-oh. 
Oh. This is so quickly going straight Tarantino, and I love it. I just love the building tension of just who's going to shoot who first, because there's no way they're both walking away from this scene. Yes, well, it's a small sacrifice for the greater good, son. Mayfield, depends on who you ask, don't you think? Uh, Oh, Spencer, (laughs) Hess, what are you getting at, Trooper Mayfield? All those people, the ones who died, was it good for them? Huh? Their families, the guys I served with, civilians, those poor mud scuffers, died defending their homes, fighting for freedom. Was it good for them? Uh, Oh, Spencer, Hess, but we've outlasted them, son. They're eating themselves alive. The New Republic is in complete disarray. Fake news. And Mm -hmm. we grow stronger. You see, with the Rhydonium you delivered, we can create havoc that's going to make burning cone just pale by comparison. Oh, oh, and then they're going to turn to us once again. You see, boys, everyone thinks they want freedom. What they really want is order. And when they realize that, they're going to welcome us back with open arms Another to the Empire. Another really well done scene. I mean, just great dialogue between the characters, like you said. Just the building tension that's happening over the course of this. And us just biting our nails, just like, don't do it. Don't do it, dude. We know you want to do it, but don't do it. And even just also another good embodying of the imperial philosophy and why, you know, people every now and then gravitate to strong men and despotic forces. Is that, you know, sense of security, that sense of order, that the inherent desire to make the trains run on time. Keeps mm-hmm. them going. Though I love your reference to fake news because... This man is spouting a lot of bullshit when it comes to the state of the galaxy right now. Yeah, fake news. Absolutely fake news that the uh, the New Republic is in complete disarray. But Mayfield has had just about enough of this. We saw it coming beats and beats and beats ago. Mayfield pulls out the blaster. Boom! Shoots him. Drops him. Stormtrooper coming in to serve a drink. The luckiest guy in the galaxy. <laughs> Felt so bad for this guy. Coming in to serve a drink. Looks on as quickly shot. Mando and Mayfield kill the few other troopers around. Mayfield pushes Mando's helmet toward him. And in an extremely touching moment, potential line of the episode, you did what you had to do and never saw your face. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such, a, it's such a powerful moment. It's such a great moment. I love how it references back to the, you know, the legitimate fear that you said that you would have is that, well, I can't show my face. Of course, Bill Burr's going to tell everybody. Of course he is. He's going to mock me for it. He's going to tell everybody that he saw my face because that's the kind of asshole that he is. And to see him not be that, to see him, you know, clearly even question his own philosophy and his own history and his own discomfort with it. We are getting so much wonderful characterization about Mayfield this episode in a way I never thought we would get. Yeah. And for people who, you know, this show was sold as space Western, boom, um, you know, in, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it is that. But man, can they develop a character that the character development in this show is tippy top man i'm i'm giving it a solid a if not an a plus because they do develop mayfield's character and i never would have thought it when they introduced his character i thought bill burr's character in season one was a throwaway you can go back and listen to our coverage mm-hmm. of that episode i thought it was funny a throwaway but i thought there was nothing to it man did it you're right they absolutely uh develop his character and before we were, were recording you actually had a pretty good comparison to character development in this episode of mayfield do you want to do you want to drop that one on the pod? Yeah, it only occurred to me because the uh, actor was it Richard Brake was um, the Night King in Hardhome, but that wildling chieftain in Hardhome, I can't remember her name right now, but she's a one-off character. Lady with the axes. Lady with the axes. That's what, that's what we're going to call her going forward in case she ever comes comes up again on this podcast. Sure. Um, she's one-off. She's not in the book. She has no prior foundation, but she's very quickly developed as somebody that we care about, despite not having that kind of just legacy of history attached to her. That kind of Stockholm syndrome, Stockholm syndrome time committed with her. It's one off. 
We have very little time, but we are investing her quickly due to quality writing and quality buildup. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Like you said, I would have lost money on the idea that Bill Burr was anything other than a one-off character in this series, particularly given his own mixed history with Star Wars before he ever came into this. Fucking hated Star Wars. Although now he, he runs around espousing how great it is. Yeah. I guess when you get paid. <laughs> Maybe better now because with the characterization they've given him and with the ending that he has, he's now an established character in the modern canon. Yeah, we may get, yeah, we may get him again. Absolutely. Because you, you think he's going to be stuck there? Hell no. He's going to get out of that planet. No. Um, but yeah, um, great line. Again, potential line of the episode. You did what you had to do. I never saw your face. And then bring on the action, ladies and gentlemen. Bang, bang, shoot them up. They start shooting at the troopers, pouring into the room. They jump out onto the window and climb outside on the edge. No, sir, Spencer. <laughs> Come that on. gets a no, sir, from Lee. For baby Yoda, man. For baby Yoda. <laughs> okay, all right. For Grogu, I would do it. But man... That's about the only thing. I, I, oh my God, listeners of this podcast or any other podcast that I'm on in the Megabuff Talks podcast channel will know I am terrified of heights. And the shot when they're looking down onto the water. Oh. Oh. During the course of this scene, I was talking with Bridget. It was like, man, if Lee and I were in this, I don't know if I could get him on that ledge. I don't know if we could do it. Oh. I don't know, man. Me, maybe for Grogu. Like that's like, I probably would do it for Grogu, but boy, would I be a, I'd be a fucking nervous wreck. They start to walk over. They're, they're starting to walk onto the side of the building as Finnick and Kara clutch Spencer-esque sniping the troopers. And you are right. Without them there, there's no way they would have been able to 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 survive this because there's too many troopers pouring out of the window and they are just not in a... They don't have like the, 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 the angle to be able to shoot them and also progress up to the ceiling of this building, which is where they're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finnick, true to her word, takes out the troopers at the cannon. Uh, Mayfield and Mando climb up to the top of the building. Woo, is that Boba Fett's music slave one flies in overhead. Stops a few feet from the edge of the building. Mando jumps onto slave one. Little bit of a delay, but Mayfield jumps in after. And Spencer, did you think for a second Mayfield might not make the jump? I was terrified that Mayfield was not going to make the jump or that Mayfield was going to die right then and there. Man. Yeah, I I really thought they were riding themselves in that direction, particularly with that delay at the end. I was I was very happy they didn't. Again, they made such a wonderful character. I don't want to see him leave, but I was worried. Me too. I I thought Mayfield might not survive that, but whoosh, he lands uh, on Slave One as they fly off. Mayfield abruptly asks for the Cycler rifle. Mayfield takes aim at the Rhydonium on the transport they brought in. Bang! One shot. One shot Mayfield fires in the Rhydonium along with half the damn base explodes. Mayfield to Mando, we all have to sleep at night. Yep. This man was no, I mean, as, as he said when we first met him, this man was no stormtrooper. Even like, was it uh, Fennec or Kara that even said, nice shot when they saw that shot go down? Yeah, because it cuts to Kara and Fennec watching this whole thing. I didn't know, I thought Kara might be like upset. Like, whoa, this is like more than we had signed on for. This is obviously going to get on the, the, net. <laughs> the radar yeah. of the empire. Maybe we made a mistake here. No, they just looked at it kind of impressed. And Phoenix says, nice shot. Yeah. Uh, but that's, a, that's a, again, a really good line. Cause it again, just shows that his philosophy is a certain aspect of cover. This is a guy that does have some difficulty sleeping at night with decisions that he's made and is really trying to set a new path for himself and is possibly still seeking for a certain degree of absolution for what he was involved in. And a few completely clueless, oh, bless your heart, honey. TIE fighters take off towards Slave 1, and Boba Fett drops a bomb, which completely dispatches them in no time. And tell me, sir, 
Tell me, sir, you who love the prequels, me who love certain scenes of the prequels, seeing that seismic charge return from Attack of the Clones, was it as good for you as it was for me? It's pretty sweet. It's pretty fucking sweet. And the fact that, of course, Boba Fett still stills rocking that technology, right? Yeah, like, of course he is. Y- yep, yep. He saw it. He saw it in person. Uh, down below, Mayfield the saying his goodbyes to Mando. Says, I guess it's back to the scrap heap. Mando says, thanks for helping. Mayfield, good luck getting your kid back. I, I love that Mayfield's not pushing this either. It's like, nope. he really is like, no, I did some good today. I helped out. This is my, yep. this is my, pen- the scrap this is my penance. I need to actually kind of pay this right now. I, again, man, they did so well with this character so fast. Yeah. God. I, at this point, at this point, I fucking love Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm all, like you, you give me a Mayfield, like Amazon link to a Mayfield t-shirt. I'm clicking buy now. Like I am a Mayfield <laughs> fan. Uh, Mayfield looks over to Kara. All right, officer, take me back. Kara, that's some nice shooting back there. Mayfield, oh, you saw that. That wasn't part of the plan. I was just getting some stuff off my chest. Really touching. Also, like, I thought maybe Mayfield would be, like, a little worried that Carl was like, hey, uh, you kind of went overboard there. Um, but again, yeah, touching line. Carl turns to Mando, says, here you go. Wait for it, Spencer. Beat, beat. It's too bad Mayfield didn't get out alive back there. <laughs> Mayfield, what are you talking about, Carl? Looked to me like prisoner 34667 died in the refinery explosion on Morak. Does Mayfield, does that mean I can go? Because I will. Mando then gives him, Mando <laughs> gives him the old get out of here, old so and so head nod, yeah. right? And Mayfield slowly walks off and is a free man, freedom well deserved. Well deserved, also considering the fact I'd like to point out, Spencer, you're a lawyer here. Mm-hmm. Um, you should you should be now that we love Mando or Mayfield, you should be you should be on his his legal team. I'd like to point out, Your Honor, Mayfield had nothing to do, really, directly, with the death of that Imperial Guard or that uh, New Republic Guard on that prisoner ship, right? Okay. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go back to that that scene. It was the uh, the lady the the lady with the crazy hair who Mando probably had sex with with his helmet on. <laughs> She's the it, one yes. who killed that guy. Mayfield didn't order the killing of that guy. He didn't do it. So anyway, I thought fifty years was too much. Glad to see him a free man. Thank you for your service, Mayfield. I hope we see you again in the Star Wars universe. I, I will agree with you on some points. It was indeed Twilight Tonks that did that did the actual knife throwing to kill that one. That one lady with the hair who Mando banged with his helmet. I'm on? finding yeah, another way to refer to her than that. Than that, <laughs> yes. Again, that's that's more like definition number three if we're going through Webster's of Star Wars characters right now. But sure, that's in the category. Uh, he did, however, participate in the jailbreak to start and was pointing two guns at said officer at the moment that he was stabbed. These do not look necessarily good for him. However, we do have, now have a bit of service and we do have a bit of a Republic service here that would hopefully factor in for reducing his sentence if he ever came back on the, you know, radar of the new republic but as you said man's a free man One's- i don't know i think for what he did 50 years was a little much and even when they were talking about i know i'm getting into the weeds here but when they were talking about what he did right when in the last episode when they pulled him up Kara said yeah serving 50 years for the death of the it's true the, the, the uh, guard republic guard. It, he didn't, he didn't kill it, that guy. It, it, okay if we're actually providing legal commentary here he would be guilty of felony murder because an individual died while he was in the commission of a felony which can make you equally culpable with everyone else who's equally involved in that felony. Famously, the guy who's sitting in the car outside when his friends kill someone indoors, so long as he's the getaway driver for what they're doing, is equally guilty of felony murder. 
Felony murder is something a lot of people forget about when they're assigning crimes. So yeah, but that's stupid. And uh, in, in, in yeah, the New Republic, in the New Republic rules, they never would do that because New Republic's perfect, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in, in, last thing on that scene, just a reference. I like you said, I love that dialogue interaction between the two. But even before she lets him go, I love the change in his dialogue with Kara from earlier to, to now. Of where earlier, yes. like you said, mm-hmm. he was being the immature guy that like never talked to a girl before and was trying to show off and poke her a little bit. Here, he's clearly so honest. He's almost embarrassed with how much he can't just cover it up with that kind of schoolboy bullshit from earlier and just has to mm-hmm. let down the walls that he's built up around himself. It's, again, man, I, you forget with how few things he's been in that Bill Burr can really act, but he's doing a great job with this thing. Well, it helps that they write, wrote a character that is very Bill Burr-esque. But yes, he does, he does show some nuance here. So before we move on, I do want to point. I do want to take a second, Mango Talks TV, and just give Bill Burr a round of applause. Well done. Give him a round of applause, and again state that the character of Mayfield was very well written. We enjoyed it. We hope we see him again in the Star Wars universe. Absolutely. Again, this is a very well written episode. As much as you want to say it didn't like move forward the overarching plot, which is again just not true. Like we've just spent the last hour talking about. It still is very well written for its moments, both in its beats and its character interactions, and even its monologues. It's something which you often can go very wrong. But Bill Burr in particular, they wrote they wrote Mayfield for him. It clearly is Bill Burr in the Star Wars universe, but in a way that doesn't just feel like a guest cameo. It feels like he is part of this universe in a way that we really hope to see again. All right. Thank you for your service, Mayfield. We move on. Spencer, are you ready for this? No, <clears throat> I'm really not. It's too awesome. You ready for this? It's too awesome, man. I can't do Let's it. Let's do this. Kara asked Mando if they got the coordinates from Moff Gideon. Mando, oh, 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 my friend, yes, we did. And Slave One takes off. Cut to Moff Gideon aboard his Imperial cruiser. Everything's good. All good. All great. Got everything under control. All the dials the are baby. perfect. Everything's fine. And an officer comes in and says, there is something you need to see. She puts in a message, and it's a hologram of none other than Mando. <sighs> Moff Gideon. You have something I want. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Soon he will be back with me. He means more to me than you will ever know. Were you as standing and screaming as I was when that scene happened? Oh God, that was perfect. Yeah. Oh my God, what a scene, man powerful there um, his for those who his may face. not may not remember that is the exact speech that moff gideon gave mando in the second to last episode love the parallel second mm-hmm. to last episode mm-hmm. of season one when mando apollo creed Kara, ig11 and baby yoda um are uh really uh hold up in a, in a blast out cantina mm-hmm. and moff gideon is talking um to them it's it's such a great scene and one thing you noticed that i had to go back and catch again just because i hadn't been paying attention to it because i was so in all the lines but moff gideon's reaction to this he is yeah he is legitimately disconcerted by what he's what by what he is suddenly just been thrown in his face so i i write my my notes like kind of like how i think because mm-hmm. i'm going so fast so I have the quote moff gideon you have some and here's what i here's what i end my my notes with here you ready for it mm-hmm Yo, son, Moff Gideon looks legitimately shook. Got him. That's what I wrote. <laughs> no shit. 
Okay, well, you know Mando said that to himself <laughs> after he sent that recording off. Got him. <laughs> yeah, Moff Gideon, first, first time in this show, we have seen him look concerned. And that, like, like legitimately scared, I would say. Scared. <clears throat> um, and that's And we've even seen the guy um, wreck a TIE fighter. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he didn't look as concerned in crashing that TIE fighter as he looks right now. No, he looked pissed when he found out that explosive was about to blow up his TIE fighter. He landed and cut his way out with Dark Saber. Didn't look, he didn't look like he was afraid or concerned. Here, I think he's finally getting perspective about his sins coming home to roost. And... I think this is the first time that he realizes that he has a absolutely advi- ad, uh, ad, absolutely um like a, a, a like a an adversary that he has to res- respect in adversary what am i going for here Spencer? an absolutely um, worthy adversary boom Very there it is so. Whoop, back up cut the last 10 seconds i'm going to do it again yeah. this is the first time that moff gideon realizes that he absolutely has a worthy adversary in uh, our boy Mando. Like this is the first time I think he realizes that Mando is not just some two bit bounty hunter who happened to, to keep possession of, of the asset, the child Grogu for a little bit longer than Moff Gideon would have liked. I think he now knows, Holy shit. Like I've got a real, a real opponent here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's almost like an element of uh, evil. Can't comprehend good going on here is that I don't think he ever really understood why Mando was in this. I think he always probably assumed there was just an element of a payday that Mando was ultimately trying to get, his own personal self-interest that looking yes. to be fulfilled. I don't think he's got the emotional range or perspective to really understand what's driving Mando until maybe right now. Yep. And he di- I don't think he's able to comprehend it other than to be afraid of it. Well, I mean, put yourself in Moff Gideon's shoes here. All you know about Mando is that he's a bounty hunter yeah. and that he's out with the guild. Mm-hmm. And that you blew his fucking ship up. You're you probably assume he's back with the the remnants of his ship, right? Yeah. Where else? That is he, he never go? was. Yeah, yeah. That he. And the fact that Mando is he doesn't know what resources Mando has at his disposal, mm-hmm. what Mando's been doing, anything. But he does know that Mando is ha, apparently has resources enough to be confident enough to send this message, mm-hmm. and that has to freak Moff Gideon out, like. I just blew up this motherfucker's ship and he just sent me a hologram taunting me and basically throwing the gauntlet down for war. Moff Gideon at this point has to be thinking, I have no idea what this guy is capable of. How did he even get my cell phone number? That's not publicly listed. Seriously, how did he even get the fucking message to me? And why would he feel confident enough to send the message? So yeah, Moff Gideon legitimately shook here. Great, great stand-up, cheer-worthy scene to in the episode and spencer we wrap up the recap i will tell you i completely agree with you i think this is a great episode there's character development i think they accomplished something very very important in the plot that they really if they'd have skated over i would have been disappointed in the show which is getting moff gideon's coordinates mm-hmm. you can't skate over that it has to be difficult to do and it was they devoted an entire episode to it i buy it i buy that they now have moff gideon's coordinates i don't think that's like convenient or easy or anything i think Okay, they put in the work. They've got his coordinates now. Mm-hmm. And my God, does it set down for fucking the Age of Ultron. We have the 
Mandalorian Avengers and they're coming for you, Moff Gideon. I can't wait till the finale. Spencer, any closing thoughts as we wrap up the recap? I'm just legitimately surprised you're looking forward to finale of when Mando and Baby Yoda will not be re- reunited together. Oh, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. What's happening? I, no, no, I don't believe you it. You want to bet? You want to bet? Let's set down bets. Let's actually set down bets. And we're going to define reunited as well here too. Sure. I am going to say that Baby Yoda will be in Mando's possession, meaning he'll have him. Probably aboard Slave One. I don't know. But he's going to have Baby Yoda in his possession. And I will exclude he's got him like they're in the same jail cell, right? Like I don't think that's not possession. Mando is free and he's got Baby Yoda. That's my position. I'm betting. What are your terms, sir? Okay. I I will accept your bet as Mando frees Baby Yoda and they escape successfully together from Moth Gideon's clutches. I think that's what we're kind of setting here is what the bet is. Yes, Mando will be a free man. He will be rid of Moff Gideon and he will have Baby Yoda Grogu. I will bet against you on that saying that that will not occur. What, okay, what are we betting? You tell me. You're the one that understands betting than I, better than I do. I just kind of throw out random numbers and usually get it wrong. Well, this one's going to be easy because it's an even money bet. So we're just betting one side against the other. Um, Okay. Let's bet $100. Let's bet $100 to your favorite charity. $100, favorite charity, and the winner gets to decide what show we watch next. Okay. With the caveat, can I do a caveat because you've been wanting me to watch The Expanse forever. (laughs) No. It has to be something that is only two, at least only two seasons. No, that's fine. It's fine. We can't do like nine seasons. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. All right. There's the terms of the bet, ladies and gentlemen. I am betting because I am the man of the people. I give voice to what the people want. Uh, Mando will be free and he will have Grogu at the end of the finale. Spencer, the bugaboo, the negative Nancy, the the naysayer that he is, is saying that Mando will not have Grogu. He's basically betting everything else, any other scenario. And it's for $100 to your favorite charity and the winner gets to pick the next Show that we do on Mangum Talks TV. All right, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's the bet. I, I'm standing by my position. I am representing jaded Legends fans everywhere that think Empire Strikes Back is the single best Star Wars material that's ever been produced. And I am looking forward to a similar plot line this next episode. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a tough one for me to refute because obviously I'm betting the other side of this, but you're right. Empire Strikes Back is the best movie. And, and on, on that note, have you seen the rumors that have been going around about the next episode? What? Uh, there have been, I don't know if they're leaks or just, you know, rumors from the production staff, but there's been a few things about, you know, who the director is, who, who's, been, who, who's been observed walking around on site during filming, how long the episode is. Lots of interesting material has been talked about now. Wait a second, you son of a bitch, you. Did you just sucker me into a bet before, while you had inside information without telling me? Hey, if you'd want the inside information, I could have provided it to you. Good God, you slimy, slimy man. No, I don't know any, and I don't know any production leaks or anything. I made that. I was a, uh, I was a sweet summer child when I made that bet. Um, completely doe-eyed, did not know any of the leaks. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's Mark Hamill walking around on the set, or Sam Jackson, or somebody like that from our segment in the last episode. If you didn't catch it, now, name that Jedi. No, so trust me, man. I would not have cheated you when it came to this bet. I have no information on that particular issue. Oddly enough, the person that's been observed apparently frequently walking through the set and providing advice on several things. George Lucas? George Lucas, yeah. Yes, yes, I did know that. I did know that. Um, yeah, but apparently, you know, like, so, you know, I think that kind of makes sense, though, right? Like, let's digress for a second. Yes. Because Lucas did, you can you can dislike the prequel. I understand, like, it's the easiest 
geek opinion of all time to just dismiss the prequel as being crap over CGI, bad acting. Oh, it was terrible. It was George Lucas lost his fastball, the whole thing. But George Lucas worked his ass off on the prequel. That's true. And Dave Filoni and John Favreau, for better or worse, have given respect to the prequel. They gave it respect when they created the Clone Wars and they're giving it respect now. So yeah, I'm not surprised that they're able to tap into George Lucas a little bit now. It's That he hasn't written them off. One of the things I like it too is that it's... In contrast to how George Lucas was very much written off by Disney itself, of where yeah. when he did this deal, it was, you know, I'm giving up control of Star Wars, I'm giving you this, but I will still serve as a guiding consulting role, and I'll also still write scripts for you, too. I'll provide, you know, a lot of guiding materials, you know, the grand old man of Star Wars. And that was a gentleman's agreement. It wasn't written down. It was like written on a napkin kind of shit. And, but Lucas very much took it to heart as a key term of the deal. And Disney shafted him all to shit when it came to this. They gave me all gave me old season five George R. R. Martin treatment. Like, yep, appreciate it. See ya. Yeah, and they projected the scripts. They just kind of ignored him. They never brought him in to consult anything with respect to the films and material they produced. So the fact that a major a major entry in the new Disney canon, what has basically been their now flagship television show to open yeah. the floodgates for everything else they're planning has George as a consultant, I love it. I really do. As, I do too. as much as, you know, there were some, there were unquestionable problems with the prequels. His heart clearly is still in Star Wars. He clearly loves it. And he clearly ultimately has the controlling vision, particularly with respect to the themes that Star Wars represents. So having him back, having him have an oversight role, that's something is right in the universe again to have that in place. Yeah, I agree. Um, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, you've got, what, three days now to clamor in your homes to to wait uh i know you were you were really excited about the finale but obviously this bet has um completely overtaken any excitement for the finale you want to see how this ends up on mangum talks tv in the next episode but that is the end of the recap spencer do you want to get on to best line of the episode we have got a lot of potential best lines of the episode here a lot a lot of meat on the bone more than i would have thought i mean this is an action-packed episode a lot of action-packed episodes they can be kind of light on dialogue this one does not have that problem. I got any number of not only just quotes, but extended character exchanges and monologues that we could pick from. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you want to start giving me some um, uh, some potential best lines of the episode, or do you want to go back and forth? How do you want to do it? Uh, I, I can go through my list, and you can add in the ones that you have, unless you want, unless you preferred back and forth last time we did it. Mm, I actually have my notes a little bit more organized this time. Let's try a back and forth, see how it goes. Sounds good. Okay, uh, first <laughs> thing first early line of the episode but it still just tickles me they have the kid the little green guy yes the little green guy really funny lines between the characters right there really like that again it also just shows the power that is baby yoda it clearly he clearly has the same effect on characters in this show that he does on the fan base in just terms of the list of people that are willing to fight and die for him is getting damn long yeah all right i will cut to um boba fett Let's just say they might recognize my face. Probably the funniest line of the episode. Really, I, I like that one quite a bit. Probably the funniest line of the episode in an episode that has Bill Burr in it. Yeah, <laughs> He's actually fair. kind of saying something. Fair. Uh, I don't want to say recite the whole thing because you basically already did, but the entire exchange, we can pick like five or six quotes from it, the entire exchange between Mayfield and Mando as they're driving the fuel, um, as we get to hear, you know, Mayfield discuss, hey, Empire, New Republic, it's all the same to these people. 
it's a really good exchange. It's a really good monologue. And I, I kind of hate to just present it as one lump sum, but it really is a monologue. And I think it kind of should be varied as, viewed as one massive, awesome quote. Yeah, I agree. I won't even parse that because I, like I, like I say, like you said, I, I did do it before. So yeah, just that whole sequence between Mayfield and Mando there. Really, not even between them. It's really Mayfield talking at Mando. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we can go with... What's the next one? What's the next one you have? I There's a lot of action here in my notes. There's a lot of action. I got, I'll, I'll do four more, particularly since we just did a block one. Um, but I Mayfield's cover line of like when he comes up and says, uh, we, we just call him Brown Eyes. Isn't that right, officer? Let's go fill out those TPS reports so we can go recharge the power coils. Very good. Very good. Awesome line. Just great line for so many reasons we already discussed. Um, I'll do Van Ness. Um, and then they're going to turn to us once again. You see, boys, everyone thinks they want freedom, but what they really want is order. And when they realize that, they're going to welcome us back with open arms to the Empire. Very, very good choice. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's a nice parallel to the prior monologue that we got. I think it's even a pointed counter in some ways to the prior monologue that we had. Very good point, Spencer. Very good point. Particularly with Bill Burr's reactions to it, where he increasingly starts getting invested in a way that he very much said that he doesn't do anymore. He's always about himself. He doesn't get invested in these causes. He doesn't get invested in just what anything other than what it takes to survive. And this is the scene that kind of pushes him out of that philosophy. And yeah, it's a great series of exchanges and a wonderful capper with Fallon S's line. Can we go to, can I do the next one? I know it's just supposed I, to go back I, and forth, I, I really want I, to do this. I figure I know, I know what it is, but please do. It's a good one. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and put cards on the table here. This is my personal, like, hit me in the feels. Like, I, I really want this to be best line of the episode, although yeah, there was obviously something that was going to be best line of the episode the entire time. And, but this one is, you did what you had to do. I never saw your face. It's the next one on my list. It's a great, it's, it's a great, Man. it's a great line for so many reasons. Just it shows again, the character arc that Mayfield is on is in spite of all of our expectations, but it's also just a really heartfelt line. So I watched this show with my, I want, so we talked about my watching uh, patterns, which is kind of like manic for this show. Like, so increasingly I'm getting up early and earlier to watch these episodes. God knows on Friday when I'm getting up to watch the, the finale, I might just blow right through <laughs> and stay sleep. up. I may do it. I may do it for real. Like I'm so excited, but I usually watch it once and then I will watch it again with my, usually the second viewing is with my wife and my wife loves to like knit. She loves sewing. She always has a, a project. And so usually when she's watching The Mandalorian, she's knitting something. And she's kind of looking down. She's looking up. And kind of makes me crazy that somebody watches a show that way. Just to be honest with everybody. Because I think the show's so good. <laughs> but that's her deal, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when we got to this part, when Mayfield threw the, like pushed the helmet back over to Mando and said, you did what you had to do. I never saw your face. I looked over at my wife. And she was like staring, almost starting to cry. Mm-hmm. Watching the episode. Mm-hmm. She was so locked in. So I think that just speaks to the power of that line in that moment. Man, I really hope we get to see Mayfield again season three. I mean, assuming, yeah, assuming wherever we go in season three, the, the two of them established a good relationship over the course of this episode. Maybe he'll be next on the list for people he trusts that he goes to in his hour of need. Really hope so. Uh, really hope so. Although he's not going to have too many hours of need in season three. He's already going to have Baby Yoda back. You're going to be, I'm going to win. the. Bet. You're going to get your Darth Baby Yoda plot, and I'm just going to love seeing you endure it. I'll, fuck it, I'm down. <laughs> Roger Ty with Krogu. I am nothing if not loyal. Uh, Do you have another one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we got it. I don't know if you have one beforehand, but um, for me, the ending one. Yeah, 
But yeah, Dumont, yeah. The, the, the ending, I mean, there's some great exchanges between, you know, Bill Burr and Kara. There are some good lines there, but just as a capper, the ending line of this episode is just a thing of beauty. Not only is it... I think we can do... Sorry, sorry, mm-hmm. but I think we can... Can we go back to Mayfield saying to Mando, we all have to sleep at night after he shot the right owner and then blew up the base? True. That is a, that's another good one, I, I thought. That's a good line, another good... It's a good capper on that Mayfield line you just gave us, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the closing line of the Mandal- of uh, Mando uh, speaking with Moff Gideon, it's a great line in its own part. It's well well done filmmaking in terms of building it up and the reactions of the characters. But the fact that it directly parallels Gideon's lines from the exact same point in the last season adds to it massively. So, best line of the episode, Mandalorian. Chapter 15 here on Mangum Talks Television is Moff Gideon. You have something I want. Yes. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Sing it. Soon he will be back with me. He means more to me than you will ever know. Woo! If we're doing a top five of the series once this thing wraps, how could that not be up there? It's got to be, at this point, what, top two moment of the show? Yeah, easily. I mean, it is so powerful. I mean, I'm I'm walking around my house, at least for the since it, I'm just walking around. Moff Gideon, you have something <laughs> I want because it's totally a buckle up and ride, fellas. We're fucking doing this moment, right? Like it is. He threw the gauntlet down. It is war. Let and and it's war from a oddly strong like position for Mando. He's in a position of strength here in a way you would never have expected going into the finale of this uh, season. I'm fully expecting that just years from now, like Picasso will steal your keys or something and you'll just loom over him saying, Picasso, Ooh. you have something I something want. I want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was just walking around the, the house. Mouth get in. You have something. I, they got to put that on a t-shirt, right? I, got to. Like a picture of Mando's helmet. Mouth get in. You have something I want. Again, it's, I can only imagine how pissed Disney is that they don't get, that they don't get the scripts in advance so they can have the t-shirts already ready to go before the episode's even in the can. Man, such a strong scene. Always was going to be best line of the episode. However, we did have a lot of other good nominees, so I'm glad we went through them. Okay, boom. Let's move to the next segment, which is uh, Spencer's own segment, nostalgic moment of the episode. Spencer, do you have any nominees? Uh, in questions that only truly matter to us, uh, which which cat is now present? The, the 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 sound you are hearing is my my little cat Picasso, who who likes me and no one else, and it is dinner time for her. We are 13 minutes late, so. Uh, she's making some noise. I will make sure to take as long as possible then to deprive Picasso of, 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 of food for a few more minutes. <laughs> okay, fire away. Nostalgic moment of the episode. Uh, okay, as, as said, repurposed AT, AT-ATs is a delight to see, both in tying back to where they originally came from from a production standpoint, but also, again, just to show how much the galaxy has progressed from being a galaxy at war. Uh, appearance of Rhydonium, it's isn't as important to me, but again, just shows how important um, the prior animated series are to this show. As you noted, like, there's probably more references to the animated series than there are to pretty much any other Star Wars material. And that's an interesting design choice in a way that really does actually encourage me to pick them up. Massive investment that they are. Uh, the wearing of Stormtrooper armor as the means to get into the enemy base is just so delightfully iconic that I eat it up, including the fact that they referenced some inherent flaws in that plan over the course of this episode. Uh, thermal detonators. I don't know why, but thermal detonators have always just had a special place in my heart. 
it was a great scene to return to Jedi when we got to see them for the first time. They play a key role in so many video games and seeing them just as the go-to weapon for our, as you keep on saying, pirates over the course of this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, this is just a note from just, it's a repeated, I guess, almost motif over the series, but Imperial troops behave remarkably competently when they're not fighting our heroes. And that is fully at play in this episode in a way that just thoroughly amuses me. This episode dials back some of the uh, Imperial incompetence from the last couple episodes in a way I liked. Even when they're getting defeated, it makes sense when they are and they're still fighting like hell. And seeing them also just here when they're not directly gunning at our heroes really do well. They're the cavalry. They're coming in to save the day in a way that warps our minds. We're actually cheering on their behalf in a way we really shouldn't is a well-done scene. I like, you know, keeping that bit of Star, of, uh, Star Wars filmmaking. Uh, I, just as a production standpoint, so much of the original films were purposely heavily inspired by dogfighting movies, like the classic World War I and World War II aerial, you know, combat. And so seeing a very classic World War I, World War II anti-aircraft gun on the top of uh, the Imperial base same kind of design as it was back from the original movies was just a nice little touch. I like how they're keeping in that this is very much a galaxy far, far away. The technology doesn't follow ours. It keeps an established bounds. And so I like that they're keeping to that. Uh, um, the reference to Operation Sender. That's more modern lore, but I actually know about it because it was referenced in uh, Battlefront 2. But that is a, a fun bit of Star Wars trivia that's brought in here of where it was... Kind of like a denial of success strategy, a scorched earth strategy that the Empire used as uh, the Emperor's last orders. Essentially denying enemy success when they have failed. Is that, okay, we've lost, I'm dead, burn it all. Use the, um, the atmospheric satellite systems that help control and influence weather to just render planets uninhabitable. Including, as referenced in the episode, Burn and Calm, which has a lot of prior references to actually Lando, particularly in the more modern stories. Uh... You may not have noticed this, and I looked into it because I figured it was indeed a map. But when we hack into the computer with the USB, as you said, we briefly see a map of the Star Wars galaxy and a little dot where Moth Gideon's ship is. Some really clever people in the Star Wars fandom who have a lot more time than I do and a lot more interested in checking into these things followed that dot based on the existing Star Wars maps to reach... I think from what I looked at, two possible conclusions about where Moth Gideon's ship is. One makes a certain a certain amount could make a certain amount of sense, or at least is well steeped in the lore of where it's pretty close to Nar Shaddaa, which is basically the criminal hive version of Coruscant, a, a planet that's just overgrown with cities, towers, in all kinds of ways. That is constantly appearing in the lore because it's a wonderful place for smugglers and ne'er-do-wells to show up to plan their operations in a way that so many Star Wars stories have built on. So that could be fun. A more likely... And if he's there, and if he's there, definitely not the head of the Empire. Definitely not. A more likely possibility, though, is another neighboring system that's apparently nearby and also pretty close to where the dot they found his ship was. Camino, the Clone World. Ooh, yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot of fucking sense. That would make a lot of fucking sense, particularly since you noted that uh, Dr. Pershing actually works for the same company that seems to run operations on Camino in terms of with clone with clones, right? Yeah, he had the he had the the Camino insignia on his on his um, on his uniform. Yeah, so when we saw him in season one, that could make a hell of a lot of sense. Credit is due to the fan base that caught that. But I think that's yeah, a very wow, reasonable possibility. Out. Um, That's big. You referenced Tanap. 
we got the snap dropped at one point is that that's where brown eyes lost his hearing is during some battle at the snap. Uh, that is a, that is definitely a planet from the old star Wars lore. It's a famous uh, farming world uh, located in the, in the uh, inner sphere. What is particularly famous about it though, and this is a real brief esoteric kind of catch is that when Lando Calrissian in return of the Jedi is talking about how he, the uh, rebel Alliance decided to name him as a, commanding officer for the Battle of Endor, he references that someone must have heard about the maneuver I pulled at the Battle of Teneb. That was where Lando was briefly in command, or briefly leading, the Teneb defense forces against a pirate attack, and demonstrated his incredible skill at tactics, in a way that the Rebel Alliance clearly viewed him as an essential, uh, an essential resource in the battles to come, and wisely, as it turned out, given the role that he played in the Battle of Endor. It, um... It's one of those planets that's been in the lore for long enough that a lot of characters that are relatively minor characters we just know come from there. Like, even... Well, he's a real minor character, but Wes Jansen wedges Gunner during the Battle of Hoth. Nice shot, Ooh, Jansen. Yes. Uh, he is a native of Teneb. So it, it was nice, again, it just really shows that Favreau and all the writers that work on the show love the lore, love the Legends worlds, yes. and are really trying mm-hmm. to bring them all back in. And really ground this is that yeah, Disney started fresh, but this is all. This is and will always be a Star Wars universe, and that's reassuring to say. My ultimate winner, though, and this just kind of caught me. Uh, also, just the um, Apple skip on, but ultimate winner for me. This almost just caught me off guard because of how much I liked it. But the reappearance of the seismic charge, as dropped oh, by, yeah. as dropped <laughs> by Boba Fett mm-hmm. from a Slave One. You know, I have mixed feelings of Attack of the Clones. I think it has a lot of flaws, but that scene, I, I know. But that scene... <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm duty-bound to say I liked it every time. And I'm you duty-bound to cut you off before we discuss that anymore, whenever that happens. But that scene <laughs> of when Obi-Wan is pursuing Jango Fett through that asteroid field, that asteroid thicket, and he's dropping those seismic charges behind him, one of the better scenes in Star Wars. It is a great scene, particularly yep. the sound design for that scene. I love that it is clearly the same sound, but done in yep. atmosphere. And it, it's yep. really well done. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All right. That was good, Spencer. All right. Uh, I guess we're going to wrap up here. Mandalorian Chapter 15, The Believer. Before we wrap up, um, I did promise that we would talk about uh, who we thought The Believer really was. What Who is the the reference to the, the title of the episode? Mm-hmm. You said you thought it was Van Hess, correct? I, I think Van Hess is a reasonable possibility because he's definitely one of the few more zealot characters we meet in the course of this episode. He is a true believer in the Imperial cause and what they stand for in a way that makes him all the more intimidating and scary as a person. But I think it's probably him. I think you could do a sort of sarcastic interpretation of that. Can can I ironic interpretation of that and and say it's Mayfield? I Um, I think Mayfield's a a reasonable second choice, particularly. Yeah. Particularly with the arc that we see him go over the course of this episode. See, poo poo's the idea of being a believer at the start, but he really is, but he really is. Yeah. He has his own drives. He has his own demons. He has his own causes and maybe he's still just mm-hmm. trying to find themselves. So I think he's a reasonable pick too. Could it also be Mando? Yeah. I mean, that's also, yeah, it could be right. He's a, he's a, I don't know. It, Believers in, I mean, it's an odd word to describe what he's doing, but it is somebody who has some, uh, you know, has some, some internal fortitude. He's somebody who is, has a cause and is fighting for it. And he's also finally realizing what that cause really is. I mean, that previously his cause was always just the Mandalorian Creed, but he's kind of more deciding what he actually believes in and what actually matters to him more right now. 
Now, Bo-Katan gave him a little bit of cover. She did. She did. <laughs> she gave him some cover, but he, he he was able to dispose of this part of the Mandalorian Creed, or at least um, His set it aside for a little while. Yeah, set it aside for a little while. Take that helmet off. Big moment. We got to talk about that. Huge moment. It's going to go down in the history of the show, Chapter 15, when Mando actually took his helmet off for Baby Yoda. So, yeah, maybe he's maybe referencing him, too. Mm-hmm. I, we, we've got options here. It's a delightfully ambiguous title that we can tie ourselves in knots debating. <laughs> Moff Gideon, you have something I want. Uh, oh, uh, oh, so good. In, in terms of fan theories, it's also given our debate last episode about who the Jedi will be. I decided I was going to mine the fan, mine the various fan theories and lists that have come about. Dear God, there's so many people that I've just never even heard of, and their <laughs> fan base is debating. Partly, yeah, there's a there's a few from from Clone Wars that I didn't get into, um, only because I'm pretty sure it's not going to be them, <laughs> and it would take like 20 minutes to, to talk about their backstory. Well, so the big one, the big one in the fan base now, and I think this is in large part just because it was the most recent show, but uh, Ezra Bridger, I think I've got that right from Star Wars yeah, Rebels. Ezra Bridger. I, I, yeah, I've not watched Star Wars Rebels, but he, I think, with, particularly with the new fans, is the number one far and away. They will be disappointed if it isn't him. Choice. I don't think it's going to be Ezra Bridger. I don't think it is either, but man, they are pushing hard. Oh, there's references. Oh, there's hints. Oh, the actor's being coy on Twitter. I mean, it could be. Well, of course the actor's being coy on Twitter. I mean, the lady who played uh, the lady who played um, uh, Catelyn Stark was coy on Twitter for four years about coming back <laughs> as Lady Stoneheart. I mean, oh, actresses yeah. do this shit all the time, right? I mean, the actress that was playing Cersei was being coy about it, and it wasn't even her. She was outright being a dick about it when it came to that particular thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I don't take that as anything. I, yeah, it could be Ezra Bridger. Um, it could, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the list is as long as my arm. The, the thing they brought up that we'd never really considered is that, do we have any reason to believe that it's going to be inherently a light side user that comes to, that comes to get him? Well, that's that's the thing, is that it could be um, Snoke, maybe, or it could be, uh, you know, the Emperor. You know, I, again, I, I laid this out in a previous episode. I don't, I, the Emperor obviously does come back the, the much as you may dislike it. The last uh, movie is in fact canon, so the Emperor comes back as a clone. I don't think he sat, you know, his his spirit sat somewhere off to the side for five years. Um, I think he was pretty soon after the Battle of Endor uh, installed in a clone. So maybe maybe a clone Emperor comes. I, I, we have discussed this before. I'm actually not that opposed to the Emperor coming back. I, I think it's I think it's part of the Legends lore, and I think it could be made to make sense. I'm opposed to the fact that the third movie was clearly written without any reference or thought to the ones that came before it. And that that little hint and that little tidbit was not better built up and foreshadowed. Yeah, I mean, I give you shit for shitting on the movies. I shouldn't give you shit for shitting on the... I'm saying shit a lot, but I shouldn't give you crap for, for being against the rise of Skywalker um, in a vacuum. I mean, it, you're, you're certainly not alone there. So <laughs> I, I more so would like to center my attacks on, um, your, your, how you treat the prequel. I, I would rather and, and that is have that battle, but yeah, you I mean, yeah, but I mean, your point is your point's a good one that like, yeah, the rise of Skywalker had a lot of problems, but the bringing back the emperor does make some sense. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of within previous Canon. And yeah, I, I personally would be fucking astonished in a very, very good way. If the a clone emperor comes on screen and takes Baby Yoda, I'd be like, holy shit, and what did I just say? Somebody also referenced an idea that could be really interesting or also really hokey, depending on how it plays out, but it could allow us to have a Jedi show up in a way that does not have Baby Yoda leave Mando. Is that what if Yoda's Force Ghost shows up to start guiding Baby Yoda? Could be. I think it could be hokey. 
I think it could get, be hokey pretty quick. But it could be interesting. They'd have to be they'd have to be sparing with that, right? It would have to be particularly sparing, and it would have to. I mean, it would answer the long the long held fan question about whether anybody else could see Force Ghosts beyond simply the Jedi in question. Yeah, uh, whew, I, it could be. Could be. There's a lot of options in the name that Jedi segment. Um, but I don't know if we'll get an answer to that next episode. I certainly would not be willing to bet that we get an answer to who was Baby Yoda talking to when he was in the, oh, that's right, TM, trademark it. I said it, Force Field. Um, of course. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get an answer to that next. I think we're going to get some level of resolution on does Mando succeed in his initial mission with Moff Gideon, you know, to, to battle with Moff Gideon to get Baby Yoda back. I don't know if we'll get an answer to who Baby Yoda slash Grogu was talking no, about. Of course, of course we're not, because Mando and Baby Yoda are going to be separated for at least two and a half more seasons. So, of course, they're not going to resolve the Jedi plot. We're going to get to that eventually. Maybe the Jedi will team up with Mando as part of the plot to get Baby Yoda back in the next season. But in terms of the two of them reuniting, just let your optimism die, sir. Just let it fade away. Moff Gideon, you have something I want. Okay, do we want to wrap up the episode? No, yeah, very much so. I think this is a very solid episode, and I'm looking forward to doing a live react with you come our finale in a few days. That's very exciting. We're going to have that. So it's going to be released on a Friday, the 18th. We will have our coverage out on that evening. So check it out, Mangum Talks TV. Check out all of our other pods in the Mangum Talks TV podcast channel. We have Whiskey on the Weekends, now defunct, but check out the archives. We have Mangum Reads with Spencer, BJ, my wife. It's a great podcast, pottering around, chapter by chapter reread of Harry Potter. And we've got Mangum Talks, Mangum Laughs. Um, Mangum Hoops. We have all kinds of Mangum everything. Go to, go to MangumTalks.com. Check out our podcast. If you want to contact us, go there. Up right-hand corner, click Contact Us. We read every single comment. Some of them we address on pod. We will be here in just a couple days for the finale. I enjoyed it, Spencer. See you. Save Baby Yoda! <laughs>